When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Maryland sports fans. There's only one sports book in the great state of Maryland with over 50 years experience booking bets and supporting customers. Betfred Sportsbook at Long Shots is now open and is the only sports book in Frederick offering cash betting on football, basketball, world soccer, and more. Visit the Bedfred Sportsbook at I-270 and MD-85 in Frederick, right next to Longshot's Off-Track Betting. Go to BedfredSports.com for more information and your chance to win exclusive merchandise. Must be 21 or older. Play responsibly. For help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hello, this is Greg Prado, author of the books Take It Off, Kiss Truly Unmasked, as well as The Eric Carr Story, amongst many others. You're listening to the Shouted Out Loudcast with Tom and Zeus. Rock and roll! No, like Rush. Like the band Rush. I don't know them. The Holy Triumvirate. The Wait, you don't know Rush? No. You t- you don't know Rush, the no. band? No, mm-mm. Exit the Warrior, today's Tom Sawyer? No! Greetings and salutations. Welcome to Shout It Out Loudcast. Don't turn your radio dial. You're in the right place. Because the album review crew is back with episode number 35. We are calling this one, We Ain't Talking ABC Today. Instead, we're talking YYZ, so stay tuned, catch the pain, catch the glory, catch the brutal, catch the angst of pictures that are moving. Oh, and I almost forgot, blah, 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 blah. Tommy Zeus, how are you? I like how you incorporate the Alex Lifeson Rock and Roll Hall of Fame speech in your intro. For all the Rush dorks out there that don't know that, I love that. If 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 people weren't sure if Rush were the nerd band, that right there was was it. But anyways, Sonny Zeus, it's Rush time, baby. It took us three years to get here. 
I was wondering what the fuck was he saying? Is he is that a lyric that I missed? Was that part of Tom Sawyer? When does he go blah 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 blah? That was the cringe induction because that was them kind of like shitting on the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So when they went to do the thank you speech, Alex Lifeson got up there and was like, literally blah 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 blah, and everyone's like, dude, you, like you're a fucking dork. And I love Alex <laughs> yeah. Lifeson and I love Rush. And we'll get into that obviously, but wow. <laughs> so Neil did a serious, you know, thank you, blah, blah, blah. He's very like almost professor like Getty. That's his was nickname. More of the, That's yeah, his nickname. Okay. Getty was more of like the heartfelt, hey, you know, we're just regular guys and we just love our music. And then I think in my mind, Lifeson was going to start with the blah, blah, blah and end it in like 10 or 15 seconds. <laughs> but he started getting laughs and exactly. applause exactly. and it lasted five minutes. <laughs> Jesus. Although we can't be sure if people weren't laughing at Gettys Lee's <laughs> Halloween <laughs> witch costume that he has on 12 months a year. <laughs> I'm so excited for this episode because it's Rush and because you guys hate Rush and it's the and it's the Patreon pick. Oh, and it's Dude. Friday night and I'm drinking a beer. This is fucking amazing. I'm so All excited. Right. Let me just say, <laughs> let's get this out of the way. He is not what you would call <laughs> a handsome man. He is the all-time winner of the least handsome man award goes to Getty Lee. Let's if get we, that if, out of the way now. If we ranked ARC album frontmen, does Getty Lee rank number one in terms of hideous? He's like the fantasy football like misc guy. That he can be like the base ugliest basis or the ugliest frontman. He could play many ugly roles, but he's going to get the number one seed if we did the ugliest musician of all our ARC stuff. Number one know. seed. I don't know. Dude, rest, rest in peace, uh, Grim Reaper guy. Who? Steve Grimm. So, Grim Reaper. Oh, but we haven't done. Yeah, but Grim, we haven't talked we, about him. I'm saying on our ARC albums. Oh, I got you. Yeah, okay. yeah. Tell me a number one seed ahead of Getty Lee. I don't know. Michael there Stipe? is one, but. <laughs> That schnoz is ugly. I know, I know. Dude, when your schnoz is still bigger than me putting the Harpo marks or the Groucho marks glasses (laughs) with the nose on, and you still are bigger, like that is a huge schnoz. It's not just the nose, it's like he weighs like 90 pounds. No, he's he's not that small. He's a very skin thin, frail like figure, and then he's got that protruding jaw or chin that comes out but it's all so balanced that- but but it's all balanced because he's the greatest bass player in rock history so that's okay oh and he's God. got that i, I gotta hang which up like I, I, he balances I that out of here i mean i mean i mean you know i'm glad sonny is already getting over an illness because this episode is probably gonna make him sick oh so. what do you think made me sick i heard this album <laughs> and i immediately got sick <laughs> this is gonna be a fucked up episode. I'm t- this may end ARC. <laughs> well, the, the the only saving grace for Sonny and Zeus is there's only seven songs, and one of them is an instrumental. Yeah. The the thing is, like when the ship and the when the kiss cruise goes down, Tom, this will be the last episode of ARC people will remember. <laughs> so it's a good thing this is ending it. Oh, All right. Man. All right. So, before we go forward, we go backwards. And we did the happiest, most positive reviewed album yet. <laughs> we did REM Automatic for the People. And let me just get a lot of this out now. So I'll just say ditto from here on out, Tom. Fuck you. 
<laughs> so every time that comes up, I won't have to say fuck you. Everybody eat a bag of dicks. <laughs> <Yes>. Exactly. <laughs> fuck you, you unenlightened pussy little oh, boys oh, oh, who here can't comes. fucking take anything that makes you think. But then again, I'm gonna go. This fucking album makes me. Think yeah, I was just I gonna am. say, unenlightened. This is the most like like <laughs> academic <laughs> album we've done. Yeah, I, I'm gonna use the sunny comments on REM for this album. Okay, but let's that's see. Fine. Let's go. We did a poll first, Tom. Yep, we did. And and how bad were the song picks on this? Well, yeah. So every album review crew uh, poll is the top four songs. So they were "Find the River," "Man on the Moon," "Ignore Land," and "Everybody Hurts." "Man on the Moon" ran away with it. Yeah, uh, 51% find the river at 25, ignore land at nine. Everybody hurts at 14. I'm surprised ignore land. See, the problem with this poll, we've talked about this a billion times. People scroll through and they're like, oh, I've heard Man on the Moon. Click, I'm gonna vote for that. Uh and I mean, they, I'm not I'm not saying it's not a great song, but I don't think it deserved 51% of the votes. Yeah, and then you got a bunch of people that are like, Oh, I am I'm not listening. And yeah. they never even they never even heard ignore land. So yeah, we had a we had a, we we had a write in from uh, Wally Vidal. Wally Vidal wrote in Drive. Okay, uh, Nige Savage. Who this is ironic because yeah. he is a super metalhead, like stuff Death that I would, metal, like fucked up metal, like stuff that I wouldn't even listen to. And he says, "Tough call, but for me, Find the River has always been sublime. The way the accordion and the two sets of backing vocals work together is perfection." After listening to this regularly over the past few days, it's pretty go- hard to go back to crazy nights. I'm not sure what the connection is there, but that's okay. Back to uh, kiss music. <clears throat> and then, of course, everybody trying to be funny with like, oh, if you, know, if, uh, if you have nothing nice to say, don't say it. Blah, 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 blah. I hang up right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I've never heard that expression. Is that something new? Oh, that's new. Well? Yeah, that, that that was created on Twitter. Yeah, you never heard. That's new. Oh, it was created circa last month exactly. when we reviewed uh, Automatic for the People. Yeah. Uh, Tim Johnson, Night Swimming by a Country Mile. King Kusano, Find the River is Outstanding. Uh, our buddy Mike Shu from uh, Rest, yes. in Peace, Rest in Peace, WAF. He wrote in, Monty got a raw deal. Great yeah. song. Uh, miserable Music Man chimed in and said, I'm not the biggest REM fan, but Man of the Moon is one catchy song. Uh, so that's some that that is some poll. That comment. is one fucked up miserable motherfucker. Let me tell you, that guy hates everything. The fact <laughs> he that he fucking even, I don't fact know he, why. The fact that he even remotely said something semi decent about REM is shocking. Let's take a look at what we got for some episode specific comments here, because uh, we know that a lot of people didn't like this album, but that's okay. Uh, let's see. Heavy Mayo. This is a great comment. Heavy Mayo says it's actually too pussy for me. <laughs> <laughs> no it's not <laughs> um now i'm gonna read our buddy tony because tony did the intro music to arc yes oh, and he's our phantom ca- and he's our cabin mate on the cruise so i'll read his comment even though it's painful it's very very hurt he says i have never heard or owned this album before after listening to this episode i know why this is the most boring album i have ever heard in my life not saying the songs are bad just nothing here for me to get excited about all right, that's a measured, responsible comment by Tony. Very impressed. It's stupid. Oh, it's, then you're going to like Uncle Polly's comment. But I was going to say, but then, especially from a musician, but that's what we expect when we bring the guitar guy to come and help us out in review back for the attack. And he's like, yeah, it's, uh, the guitar's good. Oh, yeah, gee, good. thanks. George Lynch is good. It's pretty good. Are <laughs> oh, you going to like Uncle Polly's comment? 
quote, this was the album that Kurt Cobain was listening to when he killed himself. Makes perfect sense to me. Yeah, he stole that from somebody else. Three it's other kinda, people that put that. It's, oh, and I'm going to read Nige again, just because Nige is a longtime fan and Patreon supporter. This album is a fucking masterpiece. R.E.M. was the first band I truly loved after my 100% metal teenage years during the 80s. I'm halfway through listening to this episode, and this is my urgent plea to Sonny Pooney. You need help. Oh, Ooh. boy. Murph, our buddy Murph. I know he loves R.E.M. in this album. Ignore land in parentheses. The haters awesome selection you know murph came back to us and said that he would have rather been on this than hotel we, california yeah then hotel I, I had no idea he loved this album oh i did i did yeah uh one more here are another patreon supporter big fan of the show brad baird i was a casual fan they were from atlanta and i live not far from there very fresh sounding but i was in more into country at the time yeah, uh, country music. So, All right, uh, and that's Twitter. Over on the Book of Face, guys, our friend, comedian, Courtney Kulik, Tweed Simmons, fucking Ryan Spencer Cook, Dole. <laughs> this episode was excellent. I forgot how much I used to listen to this back in school. Always skipping Everybody Hurts, of course. Ha, ha. Uh, Ignoreland, probably favorite, too. Nice job as always, guys. Thank you, Courtney, who will yeah, be cool. at uh, Cruise Fest, I believe, uh, as the uh, comedy uh, superstar that she is, I believe, that, right? That's right. Yep. Yep. Our buddy Brad Rustoven. Yeah, Backpack Brad. <laughs> and the great Slam Fest podcast. Uh, damn, I knew I was missing something from my Dorm Damage 5 disc CD list. Awesome CD. From top to bottom. Nice. I don't think I listed that. I don't, I don't think it fit. No, you I don't think grunge. You did. I, I don't think it fit that grunge stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a, there will be one little similarity. I will say about REM that'll come up with rush. Then I'll discuss with you guys. And it's not that it gives people headaches because the lyrics are fucking out there, but Jeffrey Norman, I came across you guys when someone posted this podcast on an REM group. I'm in. Well done. It's clear you guys did your research and understand how truly amazing this album really is. Everyone except for Sonny, of course. He's fucking clueless. I, I can only imagine if he found this in an REM group and he, how many people are like, motherfuckers. Why do these people hate REM? Why are they reviewing an album they hate? Yeah. <laughs> Mark Weiss. Entertaining as always, but this is a bad album. I was never an REM fan. And this episode reminds me why. Glad we have Sonny on this episode to speak some truth. Oh, mm, polarizing. I love it. Yes. Over on Loudcasters, Keith Rochford says, damn it. Now I have to add this to the ARC playlist. I have <laughs> damn you all. Nice. You don't have to. Yes, you do. My old friend that is no longer a friend. Steve Wright. Zeus <laughs> loses his next pick. Oh, that's upsetting. Uh, my best friend of all time, John Murphy. <laughs> best selection thus far. Mike Lighton. Still listening to this album today. Find the River is still one of the best songs ever recorded. Saw them in 95 in the UK with the Cranberries supporting. Ooh. What a show. Wow. Oh, Lord. Ooh, God damn. Yeah, that's pretty cool. 
Justin Steele says, Star? Star? Oh, fuck. My ears hurt. Seriously, the hits are okay. The rest makes me want to have Sonny pick the next 10 albums. Yeah. Nobody wants to do that. Nobody wants that. Dot, dot, dot. Not. Oh, okay. Nice. Uh, Mike Murphy, outside of a couple songs, I found this album to be a meandering bore, but they made up for it with Monster, which I thought was a far superior album. No. While Automatic for the People is no heat too, this <laughs> is a solid choice for ARC. Monster's good. It's not better than... I will say R.E.M.'s Monster is better than Kiss's Monster. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not That ain't saying much. I, I'm not a big fan of Monster. I think it was just... I think it's them... Doing, let's do a grunge. It's, it's, the, it's them being grunge, exactly. It's them is their carnival of soul. Matt Wallace, great album choice. Always been a huge fan of the band. I have all their CDs and a few on original vinyl. I prefer Document Green, Murmur, Life's Rich Pageant, and so on. That being said, this is their last great album. I hate the song Shiny Happy with People and Stan. Total pussy ass songs. Well, neither one of those are on automatic for the people. So, yeah, I know. Uh, actually, they're very fucking catchy as hell. I'll leave us with the last one. Adam Stevenson. Fuck. I had actually forgotten it was the end of the month and ARC release slipped my mind. Why REM? And then why? Why not? That's what I'll the, say. And then the great Sonny Pooney says, why separate alarm? Why? Why, why separate knob? Why separate knob? <laughs> Over on YouTube. YouTube. All right. Pete Starrell says, you guys forgot to mention REM stands for rapid eye movement. No, 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 uh, no, no, no. We didn't know that we didn't. We remember that our listeners aren't complete fucking eggheads. <laughs> and we assume that they know what REM means. <laughs> and love I remember you, hearing you, it lo- saying, love I you, was Pete. thinking, I'm like, who cares? <laughs> who cares? Well, did you just pull that Vietnam Memorial TV series? Hey, and I just told the, the cabbie, hey, I just came back from Vietnam. He was like, yeah, so what? So <laughs> what? <laughs> Do you remember that time life fucking thing? Oh, yes. My God. Yeah. yeah. Oh, God. Those time life books. Those oh. Vietnam series. Yeah. yeah. So, so, so what? what? So what? So what? <laughs> I'm fucking laughing like an asshole. But it's just so overdone. Uh, and he went on to say, anyways, REM was a breath of fresh air compared to AIC, STP, Nirvana. Even though in my 20s, I would disagree. I appreciate them now more than I thought I would. Thanks for reopening my eyes to this beautiful band. Thanks, Pete. Um, and finally, our buddy Nine Savage. Can't get enough of this band. Apparently. Yeah. Really looking forward to listening to this one. R.E.M. was the first band I absolutely loved after my 100% metal teenage years during the 80s. And this album is a fucking masterpiece from top to bottom. Somehow I'm predicting Sonny Pooney will not agree. Prediction correct. Yeah. <laughs> You're not really going on a limb on that one, honey. Thank you, Captain Obvious. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Over to you, boys. All right. We got some emails. Sonny, you want to start off with a few emails? Sure. So the first one's from uh, John Harden from Middle Aged Metalheads Podcast. And he starts with, hey, guys. Hey, guys. <laughs> hey, guys. Hey, guys. Congrats on another successful ARC episode with REM's Automatic. One thing I love about ARC is your willingness to expand beyond the usual hard rock and heavy metal boundaries that most rock podcasts, ours included, stick to. 
I'm all for talking slave to the grind, but bands like REM are important and talented and entertaining to discuss and look back upon. They're one of my favorites. That said, Automatic for the People was never a record I connected to much. Didn't enjoy it, with the exception of Sidewinder and Night Swimming. It's the musical equivalent. This is so good. It's the musical equivalent of the When the Fun Stops pamphlet at your local casino. You please know that pamphlet ex- that says? Please, please explain. You're the casino guru, not us. You know, the, the pamphlet that explains, hey, know when you've had too much. Call this number of fear. Oh, yes. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. I like that. Okay. Good reference. Uh, in terms of REM albums that explore loss, hope, and longing, I think New Adventures in High Wide does a much better job and is more interesting sonically. Green and Life's Rich Pageant also do a wonderful job exploring the issues of the time they were in. Uh, to me, a more interesting way. Keep up the good work. Love, shout it out. Loudcast. Mm, All right. The next one is from Jason Warden. And he says, hey, dudes, I must say the album review of Automatic for the People definitely had an impact on me. Being from San Antonio, I remember when they shot the video here and it was a big deal. Around the time of the video shoot, a good friend of mine, Ricky, was killed on that same highway, Ooh. but not close to the filming. Oh, so this video came out later. His loss hit me all over again. Ooh. And every time I hear everybody hurts, I think of my friend. Oh, Last time we hung out was to go buy Psychotic Supper by Tesla the previous August. And been thinking about him when I see Tesla in a couple of weeks and even uh, mentioned him in our Tesla top 10 podcast with Stevie. Then this episode is released. They say there are no coincidences. So it just must be Ricky, his way of saying, hey, so right back at you, Ricky, miss you, my friend. Thanks mm-hmm. for the reminder of a great friend. Music has a way of taking you back. This episode did as well. I'm attaching a YouTube link of the news clip of the filming. You know what? I got to tell you, I don't love REM, but I love stories like this. Yeah, right? that's like good. There that's, is that's... something about music that just connects. Yeah. Yeah. God bless, Jason. That's a that's a that's a good story. Obviously, sorry for your loss, but wow. Yeah. Thanks, yeah. Jason, for sharing. All right. The last email I got is from our buddy West Beach. Okay, oh, Zeus. You were right. When I saw the album you were reviewing on the episode, I choked on my Cheerios. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm a fan of REM and have been since the first time I heard Radio Free Europe and picked up the 45 on an independent label when we were on tour in Atlanta. I saw the band at the fabled 688 Club, but sadly got there just as they were finishing their set. But this album, I have to once again side with Sonny. I only like two songs on it. Everyone Hurts and Man on the Moon, and the rest of it I find unlistenable. Mm. I will go back and listen to it again, but didn't hear anything on this episode, even the John Paul Jones involvement that could change my mind. I have a few years on you guys, so to me, Baroque Rock is bands like The Left Bank and Millennium. I don't even know who the hell these don't know. Don't know who they are. So he labels REM as alt rock. Mm -hmm. I guess it could have been worse. At least it wasn't Rush or Buck Cherry. <laughs> Wes, don't show up for the next two, I would say. Um, and before I forget, I'm surprised you didn't like Volby, Tom. They seem like a band you would like. Uh, I think they have a unique sound in the sea of saveness and have some great songs. Also surprised you guys aren't down with Andy Kaufman. He was a true <laughs> innovator. and His take on con- comedy was so different and original from everybody else in his era. Always been a fan and thought Man uh, Man on the Moon was a tour de force for Jim Carrey. 
enough ranting for now, waiting to see what the Patreons have come up with for the next installment. <laughs> have a feeling I'm not going to be happy. Yeah, Your Wes. feeling is correct. Yes. Um, predicting when, the future. When did we like not? I, th- I remember me saying that I wasn't huge on Andy Kaufman. I don't know no, what you I, guys I, said. Yeah, okay. I don't think any of us. I don't remember <clears throat> your comment being really negative. I think you just said, yeah, ah, just, you were like, yeah, ah. just not a fan. Yeah. 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 Um, All right. A couple more emails and we're going to be done here. This one comes from our buddy, Angelo Capasso. Hey, guys, let's start. Hey, guys, <laughs> you let's start by hey stating guys. that Mr. Poopy, he calls Sonny Mr. Poopy. I like that one needs to clear out his ears in Michael Stipe's voice is incredible. He sings from the heart. No doubt. I saw REM September 13th, 1989 at the Hartford, Hartford civic center on the green tour. Great night. My only complaint was there was this asshole right in the front row. And I swear every time a song ended, this fucker would scream to the band Superman for about six songs <laughs> by the seventh song. Michael Stipe stopped the concert and let this dude have it. He said, fuck you, you fucking asshole. No way are we playing Superman. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> nice. Stipe then turned back to the band and the, the, the band went into the next song. I was pissed because I wanted to hear Superman. This ass fuck wrecked it for many because the last thing I remember, he was getting carried out on his ass by the crowd. <laughs> Great pig Zeus as always All three of you are great together I love how you feed off each other And Mr. Pooney I love you too So who who could have pictured Michael stop being that aggressive Right (laughs) Fuck you That's a Paul thing Fuck Uh, you Go back to your parents basement Put that whole situation in San Francisco And 95% of that could have happened to me (laughs) Oh that's a Come on All right, our buddy Murph, great episode. Kudos to Zeus on the selection. If the listeners don't like the artist slash album, skip the song clips and stay for the banter. At least Sonny will get a nice bounce back with the Patreon pick this month. Oh, wait. (laughs) Uh, We hear from America's favorite realtor, Joey Romanik. Man, where to start? Well, first, when I opened my Spotify and saw the new ARC, my eyes immediately went to the running time. Three hours and 15 minutes to talk about REM. <laughs> Holy fuck. But that's what we love about Shout Out Loudcast. And man, did I enjoy this episode. First, I totally forgot that I sent you two emails after the last ARC, but the one about Sonny being called common of the year had me dying. It pains me to say this, but I got to agree with Sonny on automatic for the people. It's a tough listen. I never really gravitated to alternative and college rock. But what I remember most about REM in the 80s and 90s is that they were the band that all the weird girls liked. <laughs> Hey, those were girls. I I distinctly remember two rather unattractive girls talking in earshot of me and a buddy of mine about going to see REM. One of them said, and when we get there, we'll find some guys. And my buddy said, yeah, right. (laughs) uh, And then he he continues. I think Tom is right. REM is smart music. And this album definitely stands out when measured against the other ARC picks. They do have a few songs I like, including Night Swimming, which is a gorgeous song. I also understand the amount of work that goes into crafting their songs, and I appreciate the level of musicianship that each member brings. But in the end, they're no rough cut. <laughs> now bring on more music for smart people that dumb rockers hate moving pictures. Jo- Joey's a patron, so he knew moving pictures was coming. We'll finish up with this one. Our buddy Michael Citro, uh, he's got a great show, Michael's Record Collection. Zeus and I were on there. We talked about Love Gun. 
Uh, that was a fun episode. So check out his show. Hey, Tom and Zeus, enjoy your ARC episode about my favorite REM album, Automatic for the People, so much that I had to drop you a note about it. It was a surprising pick given the usual style of music you guys discuss, and I couldn't wait to dive into the episode. I find it incredible to hear your reactions to my favorite song ever by REM, Find the River. Sometimes when you have a wide range of tastes, it's difficult to find other people who can relate to more than one or two of what you listen to. So I was overjoyed to find out that you can both love Kiss as much as I do, but still find so much to enjoy about a song that's as lyrically dense yet melodically simple as Find the River. Michael Stipe's vocals, the acoustic guitar, the, the piano riff, and the chorus, it all combines into a gorgeously haunting and brilliant song. Thanks for doing that album, even though it wasn't Sonny's bag. Keep up the great work, my friends, and let's talk about Kiss again soon. That's Michael Citro, Michael's Record Collection. You check out his website and his YouTube channel. Good stuff. Thank you, Michael. Um, and that's feedback from REM. Awesome. Yeah. Now, <laughs> let's move off of that and let's get on to Rush. Let's do it. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. I told you, man. Dude, can we just talk about something? Hmm. How amazing is Rush? Um, Excuse me. How amazing is Rush? Amazing. 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 I was like, oh, my God. Red Barchetta? Come on. How does Getty still hit those high notes? The voice of an angel. I swear to God, he must drink a lot of tea. Toads. All right. So. Thank you, Patreon members. I think <laughs> this is their selection. The funny thing is, I think Rush had three different albums that were up for a nomination to, to get picked, I believe, right? And I will say this, Rush, if, if our Patreons remember, uh, Rush went into an overtime vote last patreon pick when cinderella night songs won so moving pictures has been clawing their way into arc and it finally won yeah so and this one by a lot i think this time mm-hmm. uh, our patreon members are fucking awesome but they have some bad taste let's be blunt they do which, which <laughs> oh, oh yeah that's right they pick night songs that's right <laughs> yeah. so so far patreon has picked slave to the grind terrible Night songs, average, and <laughs> moving pictures. Goat tier album right here. <laughs> so they All redeemed right. themselves after two shit hair metal albums. <laughs> I want to hear Sonny's take on those three picks so far. What do you say, Sonny? Skid Row, Cinderella, Rush. <laughs> Good, great, and smells like a goat. <laughs> oh come on, man! Come All on. right, well, okay. What we usually do is we talk about a little bit about the artist, but how did we get into the artist and especially the album uh, moving pictures? I, I don't know about Sonny, but I'll go last because I got into the album when I got it two week, uh, two months ago, a month ago, whatever I got it. Uh, Tom, you probably have more affinity for it than the rest of us. So do you want to talk first? Yeah. Uh, so moving pictures. So I can honestly say with the exception of, any kiss album. This is probably the album that I have been listening to the most since I got into music as a kid when it came out in 1981. Yeah, no way. I'm not lying. Uh, other than kiss records. When this came out in 81 in, in this album, this album, moving pictures. I don't yeah. remember you playing it one time in college. Do you know why? Cause no one liked rush. And there was <laughs> I, no, and honestly, no one liked rush. There was no opportunity to play it. 
everything was grunge and you know rem stuff and kiss there was no opportunity the only time i ever played rush i had the double cd chronicles which was their greatest hits yeah, album i have that too. and i would and i would occasionally play that with murph because murph likes some of the the, the rush hits mm-hmm. but i would never i never had an opportunity to play rush i never knew you liked them I never oh yeah so I had the cassette. I got into Rush. So MTV came out in 81 and Moving Pictures came out in 81. And at the time, like most bands, their videos, quote unquote, were just like live footage, live performances. And I remember seeing Limelight and Tom Sawyer and I had the cassette. And I remember hearing YYZ, the instrumental that we'll get into. And I was like, what the fuck? This is like so wild because I was obsessed with like music. Like I took piano lessons. I had a little Casio keyboard. <laughs> a little, I, You know what I mean? Were you so, rocking a guitar? I, I didn't have a guitar, no. Um, but I've just always just loved Rush. I'm not going to say that I have every single album in their collection that I love everything about Rush because their their career is way more varied than we talk about Kiss's career from their early 70s until all the way the 80s, 90s, whatever. But Rush, and I will say this: as I've gotten older, I have gotten more into Rush, which is kind of weird. I don't know. If, I don't know if anybody's experienced that with a band that they like, but. Uh, moving pictures to me, very, very special album. This is probably, especially with only seven songs, probably the ARC pick where I had, where I had to do like the least amount of prep because this album has been a part of my life for 40 years. So less than singles. Oh yeah. Cause singles, it was a or bunch 10, but mm, maybe, maybe 10 was close and jar of flies, but yeah. 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 Okay. So that that's Rush, and we'll get into a more of it. When we do the all the other stuff, but that's my, that's where I stand. I, I had the cassette in '81 when it came out, eight years old. Wow. Yep. Sonny, I'm an MTV kid, and I was a band geek. I started it on trumpet, went to trombone, then went to baritone, then went to piano. Rush has been around ever since probably uh, 1980 in my life somehow. Mm-hmm. Right, some idiots playing it, some idiots talking about it, <laughs> that kind of thing. Some idiot. So, so I, I I've heard all the so-called hits, and the hits just never gave me a reason to really pursue them. Top that with, every time I would say Rush sucks or Rush is meh, some asshat would say, "Oh, they're the best ever," and then I would look at that asshat and go, "I don't like anything else you like." So I got a feeling <laughs> I am on the right track, right? So my first listen to this album all the way through was the day I got sick on October 3rd, 2022. I am blaming that <laughs> on Rush. Oh, poor Sonny. And before I'm like, do I have this album? I think I own a Rush album because I was going to go see them live. Mr. Big opened for them when Mr. Big first toured in, um, in 90. So I saw them in March of, uh, March of 90, late March. So I, I remember thinking I should get a Rush album or something just to get an idea. Wh- who are these guys? So I bought the one that was in the clearance bin, three bucks. I want my three bucks back. It was not moving pictures. It was Presto. Ooh, that's a tough, that's I, a tough one. That's a tough one. Uh, <laughs> boring that's, a, that's, as that's fuck. At th- there's, a, there's a couple songs on there that I'm a big fan of. That's a tough, that's a oh. tough album if you're not a diehard Rush fan. If somebody wants my copy, I can mail it to them. Now, <laughs> Presto, there goes my three bucks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Presto, yeah. So, Mister Big gets off the stage, Rush gets on, and the first song they play is Force Ten, and I'm like, Not first good. thing I noticed was I'm like, where did all the women go? 
Oh, <laughs> oh dude, Rush, Rush is a women repellent. I saw four in the mezzanine. Yeah, I had three in the front row. Seven females at a Rush concert. Must be some kind of a world record. Right, so then I didn't know Force 10, so I'm like, what is this bullshit? And then, so then they go to Free Will. I'm like, okay, I understand that song at least. Let's see how they are in a song that I know. And they're just so in tune to what they're doing. They just don't have a lot of dynamics on stage because the three of them are doing everything. And they don't have time to interact with the audience and play their guitar through their legs and lick basses and shit like that. So by the time they got to distant early warning, I was out. And I never saw Rush again. Like, I, like they're just God, boring. God damn. So er, I gave him a couple of shots, but yeah, that guy who said, oh yeah, there was these women that those aren't women. Those now, aren't I don't women. know what you were looking at. They were not girls. <clears throat> I've seen Rush a few times in concert. And I think the only women I saw were the people collecting tickets and selling concessions. I'm not sure if there were any women there. Ugh. Nope. Nope. Right. So that's my history with Rush. Rush for me, I remember the video. Tom Sawyer came out. My brother liked them. He really got into Rush. And it was just one of those things like, uh, I don't understand. I usually like everything you like. I don't get this one. And he and that was like his thing. And I just never liked it. I, I, I Over time, it became a cliche. As you guys know, Sonny says it, I say, and every time we all interact, it's always the same thing. We, we shit in each other's music. We'll shit on each other. We'll, we'll say stuff. And somebody says, Rush. I'm like, oh, Rush sucks. Truth of the matter is I never listened to him. All right. I've heard Tom Sawyer. I've heard Limelight. It's the same thing I say about 99% of these bands that you guys all like that I've never heard. So, yeah, Sonny, I've never heard of half the shit you fucking say. This is the best. Oh, yeah, I'm sure it is. It fucking sucks. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's not. Look, you brought some stuff to me that I've liked, especially like Hailstorm. I didn't have a real problem with heat. Uh, again, uh, these uh, this is like I like that the the uh, Patreon people picked this. I would never, ever have put Rush into my life without this show, without them picking this. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad I I gave Rush a fair chance. And I must have listened to this album, no joke, through 20 to 30 times, at least. It's so well, funny that you say it because I have uh, this album is in like, I mean, Rush itself is just in rotation for me anyways, whether it's yeah. at home with vinyl or, you know, going for a run and listen. I mean, it's just I moving pictures is like the back of my hand. It's, it would be this would be like me listening to like Love Gun. Seriously, that's how moving pictures is to me. Like here's, I just here's the problem that I found, and we'll get into more details later. Yeah. There are so many. It I feel like some of the older Metallica shit may have been like this. There's so many different movements and parts in songs. That's right. I can't I can't remember it. So it's not like Cold Gin time yeah. again. Like, oh, I remember that song. That song's called Cold Gin. But right? this is the, this is Rush's first attempt at doing that. That's though, which my is why, point. Which is like, why it became their most successful album. If this is them trying to become like pop, what the fuck is everything else? Because oh. I have a hard time going. Oh, that part. What part is that? What song is that part? And you can't describe it. Like, okay, I'm I'm writing down my thoughts on. Uh, uh, camera eye. Okay. They, like there's parts of that. Like, wait a minute. Is that final sign? Oh, wait a minute. Is that like, yeah. there's just so much shit happening. 
And uh, it's hard. That's why I had to listen to it 30 fucking times. At least I listened to this. So uh, I'm glad you guys picked it, honestly, and that I got a chance to go through this. And I want to hear everyone else's opinion of what they think about this from the big diehard to the I'm not sure. I know he says he hates it, but let's see what he says. Uh, I'm, I'm anxious to get into this. Yeah, so I, I mean, just real quick with the history of Rush. So they start off the first album. They had the original drummer John Rutsey. He left because he got ill and they couldn't. So that first album, if you watch some of these documentaries, if you watch uh, the VH1 classic album documentary, and especially the long form movie Beyond, Beyond the Lighted Stage, um, our buddy Martin Popoff was involved with that because he's a huge Rush guy. I got a Rush book from him. They started out as like a like a three chord Zeppelin band. Like they, you listen to their early stuff, they were like Zeppelin. Then Neil joins the band, and then they become a little bit of Zeppelin, but then they start to pour on the prog and the long form songs, and that gets them through the mid seventies. Then nineteen eighty rolls around, you got Permanent Waves. That's when they start introducing the keys, the keyboards, and they start getting into radio friendly songs, Free Will, Spirit of Radio, and then that segues into Moving Pictures, more keys, way more radio friendly. Then they go into Signals, which, by the way, Patreon people, if you didn't pick Moving Pictures, Signals was going to be my pick. Signals might be my favorite Rush album. Um, Signals lays on the the synth even more, but still maintains the permanent waves moving pictures aesthetic of it. Then after Signals, then they just go full-blown fucking keys, and they kind of lose me for a little bit. Kind of like the way... Kiss lost some people with Unmasked and stuff. That's what Rush did for me. Then they bring it back into the the nineties and they become kind of like a rock band again. But that's the thing about Rush. Like there's really something for everybody. And it's kind of hard to say, do you like Rush? You always almost have to say yes, but because it's really hot. I mean, I love, I shouldn't say love. There's bits and pieces of everything that Rush does that I'm a fan of, but it's hard to take Rush's discography and put it on shuffle because I'm like, ah, I can't, I can't listen to this. I can't listen to this song. It's just not a good song. It's not a good album. Um, but the thing, this is where like the music nerd in me, and I'm sure most Rush fans and uh, you know, anybody, you know, for me personally, you're talking about the greatest drummer of all time, technical drummer. Maybe he doesn't have the groove of a Bonham or, you know, whatever. You're talking about, if not the greatest, arguably one of the all-time un- most unbelievable bass players in Getty Lee. And that you can show that on here and we'll talk about it. And then in my opinion, one of the most incredibly underrated guitarists in Alex Lifeson. And I think that's because he's in a band with the greatest drummer of all time and in a band with a guy who has the most distinctive slash unlikable to some people vocals and bass playing and lyrics and, you know, time signatures and progressive style music that Alex Lifeson falls by the wayside. This guy is incredible. And when you see them live, I know that you, Sonny's right. They stand there and they play their instruments. But for a three-piece band, they blow the goddamn roof off the place. They're, I've seen them twice, both times with Murph. Um, they're incredible. And to me, they're an exciting band to like talk about because there's so many different things. They're, they're like the exact opposite of ACDC. And I love ACDC. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. 
Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Hey folks, Stefan Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica Report, and you're in the game. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. But they're like the exact opposite. Every album is like just so different from the last one. And every album leads to the next album, which leads to the next album, et cetera, et cetera. And I just think they're just a fascinating band. The three, they're three kind of goofy guys. They acknowledge that. Um, they're just a fun, interesting, exciting band to listen to and to discuss. I've read a couple books about them, some by Martin Popoff. Um, I don't know. Rush to me is right there with Kiss and Metallica. That's my that's my triumvirate for me. So, oh, we're in for a long one. A long weekend, that is. And you deserve to spend it on the couch with a glass of something good. Luckily, there's Drizzly, the number one app for alcohol delivery. With Drizzly, you can compare prices on the biggest selection of beer, wine, and spirits. Then get them delivered quickly. So download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com today. Maryland sports fans, there's only one sports book in the great state of Maryland with over 50 years experience booking bets and supporting customers. Betfred Sportsbook at Long Shots is now open and is the only sports book in Frederick offering cash betting on football, basketball, world soccer, and more. Visit the Betfred Sportsbook at I-270 and MD-85 in Frederick, right next to Longshot's Off-Track Betting. Go to BetfredSports.com for more information and your chance to win exclusive merchandise. Must be 21 or older. Play responsibly. For help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Oh my gosh. I know. I can't believe uh, it. What, what can I tell you? Um, all right. So the album, before we get into it and the facts, we usually go into the cover. 
Yep. I bought the recent one, which has a different cover. Yeah, that's the 40th anniversary set. Yeah, it's got three CD disc set. Yeah. So that I'm not talking about that. Tell us about the original cover, Tom. Okay. So it's it's like it's iconic. Um it's it's funny because this this shows you like the dorkiness of Rush. So the album is called Moving Pictures, and it's famous for having not a not a double entendre, but like a triple entendre, because you have three guys moving pictures into the building. Then you have people watching them and they're being moved by the pictures. And then on the back cover, you have a crew making a moving picture about the guys moving the pictures. It's like the ultimate rush dorkdom. It cost them 9,500 bucks to make it. The band had to pay for it because the record company said, we're not paying for that. It's too much money. It's filmed outside the Ontario legislative building in Toronto. Cause all the guys are from Toronto. It's just a really interesting cover. It's, it's iconic. I mean, it's not like mind blowing, but it's just rush in a nutshell. It's like, yeah, moving pictures, you know? And then if you open up the sleeve of the album, there's photos of the three band members. Yeah. There's photos of the three band members and all three of those pictures are moving. So right. it's like a fourth entendre. I just think it's really cool. I mean, one of the movers on the cover of the album, he's also on the cover of Exit Stage Left, or if you look at it, the cover of Exit Stage Left, it incorporates all the album covers up to that. They're moving the, the pictures that they're moving. They're moving the Starman logo picture, uh, dogs playing poker, that famous picture, uh, and then a picture of Joan of Arc being burned at a stake. It's just, is it great? You have to look at it, but that's Rush. They're just it's weird. It's interesting. Exactly. It's interesting. It's something to talk about. You know, it's not just a picture of the band because no one wants to see the Ooh. picture of the band. Oh, yes, exactly. So the thing that I find funny is like that and our own favorite tax accountant, Tony Barone. Oh, he loves Rush just like me, baby. ABCPA Inc. There you Tony, go. Yep. Yep. Tony Barone. He is so enamored with rush before patreon picked this he sent me permanent waves like great great album and he's like listen to this yep and that is supposedly a classic album by them right it is yes so that doesn't have the original cover either when they released all weird all the yeah all all the anniversary box sets all had brand new covers so the original cover of permanent waves has a woman on the cover the the anniversary edition has a guy on the cover yeah like a newscaster or something like that right all the the covers are completely different like the the original cover for to like farewell to kings is kind of but the the anniversary cover of farewell to kings is incredible they they all they they, it's all new artwork could you imagine kiss doing that with destroyer and love gun Wow. Yeah. So, Sonny, what do you, do you have any thoughts on this cover? I like it. I think it's unique. It's clever. Notice that because there's a black background, the cover is squared off just like a painting, like, like a picture. Yep. Right. Or, yep. you know how you would take a spool of film and look at it. It would be blacked off, blocked off in black. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's like, that whole, like the woman reaching out, it's like, is it like, don't take those away. She dropped her groceries. Like there's a lot of thinking being put into this. Yeah. I thought it was hilarious. I read somewhere, those two kids, they did the whole thing for McDonald's. That's right. That's what they were paid. They, they paid was they, McDonald's. They, they paid them in a McDonald's lunch. Yep. 
I, the other but, thing that I think is kind of striking is the the typeset and the font of Rush Moving Pictures. Yeah, how it's like very formal looking font with the with the red underlines on top of the black, because that almost looks like if you're at like a museum or something, it almost looks like it's like the title of the artwork that's below it. You know what I mean? Yeah, you know, it looks yeah, like yeah. a movie theater, like a mo- a motion picture, like yeah. Rush, the original motion picture. Something yeah, like that. yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Very clever. Very thoughtful. Uh, I just think it's but funny. Yeah, the, the, the record company wasn't going to pay for it. <laughs> But those inside pictures, dude, Getty's nose fucking jumps out of that thing like it's a pop-up playhouse thingy. He is not Good what you Lord. would call a handsome man. We said, let's get that out of the way. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. Dude, what? <laughs> what the fuck, man? He looks like a witch. He's the He is the wicked. If you painted his face green, he's in The Wizard of Oz. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, let's be I serious. Mean, Neil's, I don't know, fucking hockey hairdo isn't much better. Hey, rest in peace. By the way, can I can I can I be that guy? I'm gonna be that guy. Okay. It's not oh, Neil. It, it's not Neil Pert. It's Neil Peart. Talking to all those people out there who who've gone through their entire life thinking his name is Neil Pert. It's not. I told you not to eat Mr. Peart's sandwich. It's just Peart. You sure that it's not Pert? I think he would know. Are you sure? Because we're pretty big fans. Chill, man. Chill, man. Nah, whatever. How dare you? Rest in peace, Dude, the professor. My last name is Pandas. Yours is Gelati. He can get used to not saying. Oh, yes, you're right. Because we're we're in we're in we're both drummers for rock and roll hall of fame inducted <laughs> legendary bands no, that have I'm been saying, around for 50 years. Yeah, like how do you get when people say your name incorrectly? Do you flip out? Well, I'll tell you right now, if I was in a band, my last name would be changed. <laughs> which which by the way, personal side story, my oh. grandfather was in a band that was he was a professional yes, musician, yes, played yeah. saxophone. He changed his last name for that exact reason. His stage name, his last name was Gerard. Oh, like, like our buddy. Yep. Because he didn't want to go through the mispronunciation. And at that time, there was kind of a stigma about having an Italian last name with a vowel at the end of it. No, I'm not. I'm serious. <laughs> I'm just thinking of the Godfather. My mind. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I heard about that band leader. <laughs> <laughs> okay. My Mick Kraut friend. Exactly. <laughs> oh, oh anyways. All right. So let's get some facts about moving pictures. All right. It was released February 12th, 1981, produced by Rush and a guy named Terry Brown. When I looked at Terry Brown, I found that he's worked with look at this cast of characters. Yep. The Who, Kenny Rogers, Dream Theater, Sonny and Cher, Barbara Streisand, and Lizzie Borden. Oof. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah, look how many Rush albums he's done. Oh, how the fuck do you go like, hey, Barbara, let's work on this. Let's do that. Hold on a second. Hey, Lizzie Borden, what do we got on the next album coming up? So this guy, so he, his first, his first thing, he was an engineer. He worked with Jimi Hendrix. Okay. <laughs> then he's like, wait, why am I, I'm doing an album with Lizzie Borden. Wait, who are the cutting crew? What <laughs> I used to work with Rush and Jimi Hendrix. What are you guys doing to me? At least the cutting crew had a fucking like a big hit. Well, ask ask the guys from Potter than Hell. They love Lizzie Borden. Yeah. Was that uh, died in your arms tonight? Was yes. that cutting crew? Yes. Yeah. 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 Yes. Yeah. 
Yeah. Oh. I don't know. Sonny might know Lizzie Borden's greatest hits. Uh, fuck no, dude. <laughs> brutal, brutal. <laughs> that's one specific guy over there. Part of uh, part of than hell. <clears throat> yeah, that's true. That's, that's true. B. That's BC all the way. Isn't that it? is true. Yeah, he, yeah, he's the Lizzie Borden guy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I love it. Got all this and got all this uh, singles. I love his work. <laughs> Should have heard it when he had the tenth basis on the fifth album. <laughs> Dude, Lizzie Borden has said, hey, uh, all you music uh, radio DJs, here's my latest single. Fucking Lizzie Borden. Uh, you know what? It's funny. I, I, I will be completely honest. I, I don't think I've ever heard one song by them. You it's are just, lucky. It's lucky just day. funny that it's just funny that they're called Lizzie Borden. I don't know. I, I, I just know that one song. And actually, I like it. Dude. Yeah, but it's just like it, well, it's easy to make fun of. It's like when you just make fun of a band, you're like, actually, I, I kind of don't mind those guys. <laughs> <laughs> Lizzie Borden has that one song, Me Against the World. I remember oh, I, that song. I it was on MTV I, for a little bit. I, I don't know that one. <laughs> yeah, you're not missing out much. Okay. All right. Moving pictures. Uh, this was their eighth studio album. This is the shit that I cannot believe. Okay. This album went five times platinum. Yeah. Where the f- I thought Rush was a niche cult type of band they were until this that this is the album that launched yeah, this combined this with is the mtv what I, I don't understand about kiss kiss was the considered biggest band 77 78 they don't have any album like this none no, no albums are like oh that one that one sold like seven million copies or anything like that mm-hmm. how the fuck did destroyer not sell that much of all their Cause, albums because it's not that good because it's not that good oh shit <laughs> um this album went to number three on the U.S. Billboard, number one for Top Rock, which I think is albums, which I think in 2022 as a new category, I guess. Okay. It must be because they just released it as the um, anniversary issue. Yes, the 40th anniversary. Yeah, they were a year. They're a year late because it came out in 1981, but that's yeah. OK. Uh, it was number one in Canada. As I said, five times platinum in the U.S., four times in Canada. Uh, it's considered number 43 in Kerrang's 100's greatest metal albums. Metal? Yeah. Come on. It's a fucking metal. Uh, Rolling Stone's number 10 favorite prog album in 2012. Mm-hmm. And number three, 50th great, uh, greatest prog albums by Rolling Stone. Mm. Uh, I don't know when that came out, but okay. yeah. So those are some of the statistics that I have about the album. Okay couple things about the album too if you watch some of those documentaries i mentioned or you know i have a couple books books etc um neil says that because neil is the master lyricist the guy's like they call him the professor because he was the one that brought all the lyrical elements in there about um he's very very like academic very like forward thinking like into like ayn rand and like the fountainhead and all like these really like interesting kind of politically leaning academic books, et cetera, that he would always read and talk about. But at this time too, he claims that he was getting into a lot of like that new wave stuff. Like you can hear some of the influences here with the police, um, some reggae sound. He claims he was listening to bands like, uh, like ecstasy and Ultravox, like those like really synthy new wave, early eighties bands. And that started, like I said earlier with permanent waves that carries on to this and especially signals. Um, Alex had a couple comments saying that this was just a time where the band was like, really, there was a ton of positive energy. It was exciting for them. They were like really in a good place. 
the videos that we'll talk about, the videos are just performance videos that are recorded at the studio where they were and like up in Canada and the snow and they're just, just the three of them doing their thing. Getty had an interesting comment. Cause of course, when people talk about rush, you talk about Getty's vocals, especially the mid to late seventies when he's breaking glass. Cause he's singing so high pitched. There's a little bit of that moving pictures, but Getty even says, he's like, I, I wanted to, and I thought I had to change the way I was singing to incorporate it into some of the melodies that we were writing as a song, like a song like Tom Sawyer in, you know, limelight, like the high pitch squeal that he had in some of those songs off of 2112 and fly by night, they weren't going to work here. So that was something that he was aware of and and worked on, especially for this album, that his vocals kind of need to change a little bit to kind of fit the melody and the, and the, the structure of these songs. So you could just see the changes in the band. I mean, if you listen to moving pictures and you go listen to fly by night, like how is that even the same band? But then again, you could say the same thing about kiss. You listen to harder than hell and you listen to Unmasked. How is that the same band? But that's what happened. I think that's why I love both bands. They do, they do different things. So yeah, the band was in a good place here when it came time for moving pictures. And I think it shows. I saw somewhere that uh, they had like a game plan that they're going to the next two years all mapped out about tours and stuff, mm-hmm. but that Neil had got excited about the stuff he was working on. Mm-hmm. And then he went back to management and the group and they're like, like, you know what? Fuck that plan. And they changed their plans that they had set up. And they're like, let's just, let's do this album now. And they yeah. had all this fucking energy and all this excitement. Yeah. I believe they were going to be putting out a live album. Which yeah, came out, which like came, which came out after this, which is one of the all time greatest live albums ever made. Exit stage left they, that came out after Moving Pictures. I believe that was the original plan to do that after Permanent Waves, and that's when they kind of squashed it and they said, "No, let's get into the studio and let's let's get together and do Moving Pictures." So, okay, well, let's get to the first track then, and that's this.
You know, the first uh, uh, song that we ever uh, uh, jammed out to uh, was uh, Tom Soye. <laughs> and uh, we, you know, we couldn't do the drums. No one can do the drums like you. What we did uh, is like, da 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 what did you call that song? Oh, I know it's, uh, it's called Tom Sawyer, but I love it in the song when you go, uh, you know, modern day warrior, mean, mean, try today's Tom Sawyer, mean, mean, pride. I don't think I say it like that. No, I'm pretty sure you say Tom Sawyer. Tom Sawyer. So most likely it was the first Rush song I heard. And uh, so let's just get this out of the way. Neil Pert, I'm just going to say Pert just to you know, <laughs> go, go. agonize you, <laughs> aggravate you. Uh, unbelievable. The guy's unbelievable. There's no drummer that can touch him. The only drummer that I've listened to that's even close, it feels like, is like somebody like Portnoy on yep. the technical stuff, right? Now, there's a lot of field drummers that I like better, but there's nobody touching Neil on this shit. And some of the stuff he's doing in this very song just kind of gets like harder and harder and harder as the song goes. So that's great. You got Getty's voice to me is unbelievably annoying. I just, <laughs> it's just really, it's, it's worse than Stipe to me. It is absolutely. <laughs> um, and Alex is probably uber talented, but he's got the easiest job in this band because those two guys are off the charts and synth and bass and drums. It's ridiculous. The song, this song especially, it's a little more hard rock, so it's a little more listenable to me. I heard somebody explain it as a stoner anthem. That makes sense to me. Okay. That whole space sound that I do attribute to Rush. When I hear that synth bass sound, I say, all right, that's Rush. It's just too much. Like, do it every once in a while. But it's got to be in the whole goddamn song. Like, does it have to be space, Odyssey? Like, I just, I, I don't get that part. <laughs> And then, wiener, the wiener, 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 yeah. wiener. and then the other thing I liked, but then didn't like, I really liked the solo that Lifeson's doing, but it seems like this whole album, anytime it's Lifeson's turn, all three instruments are at the equal volume, right? So it's like, how come Lifeson doesn't get a turn, like turn his ass up? Cause I can't even tell what the fuck he's doing. Yes, yes. Right? Like, it's well, not time for, I get it, Neil, you can play, but do you have to play when he's doing his solo? Yes. Well, or you can get, you well, can hear the bass going. Well, guess what? Guess who else agrees with you? Alex Lifeson. He's on, <laughs> record. He does. He's, he's on record as saying that this is the era of Rush when he was starting to be like, hey, what the fuck happened to me? Because if you listen to those early 70s, mid 70s albums, he's fucking killing it on those albums and he's killing it here. But it's like a group solo, not an Alex solo. At one point, Tom, in my notes here, I'm, I wrote, I'm starting to get to the point that Alex doesn't get a chance to do his own solos. Nope. Because the other two I'm hearing, it's like, okay, time for three solos. The drum is doing something else. The bass is going, doo -doo 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 -doo, doing something but that's, else. Well, and let, then the guitar is doing its thing. It's like, you can't focus on it. There's so much shit going on that you're like, it's taken away from the guitar solo. <laughs> Go ahead. So like finish. Winer, now, we'll, we'll you know, unfair, <laughs> unfair to probably compare them to the winery dogs. One is rush is better. I got it. And winery dogs are coming out, you know, 40 years after this stuff. Yep. They do a better job of that. Like when it's Richie's time to play a solo, you can hear Billy and you can hear what Portnoy is doing, but it's, it's like a, like a step lower in the volume, but that's, that's just what it is. I, 
I think it's a good song. I now I sent you guys this journey thing. So if you're not a journey fan, if you're listening and you're not a huge old journey fan, there is a song on their album called next and it's called nickel and dime. I don't suggest that you listen to the whole song. It's not a very good song. So just forward to one Oh four. And if you forward to a 64 seconds in, you'll get a feeling of what's going on in Tom Sawyer is similar to what's going on in nickel dime journey. But I think that has to do is there's just a lot of synth and a lot of drums and a lot of bass and it just sounds similar, but I just thought that was interesting. Mm. Yeah. So, so just talking about the solo part. So we're so used to having the band kind of fall back and let the, the, the lead guitars take the solo. Yeah. I don't, I don't have a problem with that only because of what's happening during Alex's solo. The fact that you have Getty doing a bass solo while Alex is doing his solo, while Neil is going absolutely ape shit on the drums. I love that because all of it is just fucking mind blowing. Um, to to your point, Sonny, about how you said that the, the the drums get progressively more complex. Neil wrote the song that way. If you listen to the way the song starts, very, very basic drum beat to the point where probably the three of us could play that. And then by the time the song ends, he is just off the charts with the symbols and the hi-hats and the ride symbols. He's going absolutely insane. Of course, those world famous drum fills that he does when if you ever see Russian concert, the whole crowd's doing those air drums all at the same time, like everybody's doing it. Um, but yeah, he he wrote it where the, the 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 drums are simple, they get progressively more complicated until the end of the song, which is nuts. Neil also says people ask him, you know, do you ever get sick of playing a song like Tom Sorry? He's like, I never get sick of this song, not because I love it, which I do, but because it's so hard to play, it's a challenge for me to play the song all the time. And you would be like, wow, Neil is like challenged by this. When you were playing the drums, is, is that is that hard? Yes, it's hard. Um, one of the interesting things about this, the so Tom Sawyer, biggest song that Rush ever had, even people that don't know Rush know Tom Sawyer. The song almost didn't make the album. Um uh, the, 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 the band said that they were having a really difficult time getting this song right, like the way that they wanted it to be completed. And the, it was one of those things where like, maybe this isn't going to fit on the album and they worked on it and they fit it on the album. And not only did it become their signature song it was the lead track. I mean, it's Tom Sawyer. It's like I said, it it's classic rock radio staple. Um, I don't know. What can you say about it? I've been listening to it for 40 years. We all have like it or not. <laughs> All right, so Tom Sawyer, this song is written by Neil. How do we say it again? Peart. Peart. Ask Eddie Trunk. He agrees with me. And some guy. Oh, named- that that we should oh. be happy about. And some guy named Pie Dubois, a poet. Yes. The song has some sort of really lyrical theory movement about individuality all that there's a lot of thought going into this stuff that's neil he's a, he's an iconoclast he's an individual rights freedom guy i, I like i started reading remember i sent you that thing that was like an ultimate classic was somebody yep. had an article about what every rush song and then yep. you read on wikipedia you read other articles about these songs mm-hmm. I, I couldn't do it it I, it may it's like i do like a lot of my rem stuff when i was doing an automatic for the people like there's just so much i'm like uh, just fucking tell me it's about a girlfriend. Like it, it, there's so much theory going on. This makes my head hurt. The, yeah. The music, the lyrics, 
it there's a and you thought REM was a thinking man's band. Holy shit. I, I you know, for me, I always thought Rush is simple. They probably had just rock. So I don't listen to them. So I figured they're just rock kind of lyrics. I never heard of Rush having stupid lyrics, but I didn't know it was like this. They're they're fucking like symbols and theories and shit that I'm like, what the fuck? Anyways, this song, uh, by the way, the rest of the song is all done by Neil other than this one, uh, which is who let the drummer write all their songs. That's I don't know that many bands, if any, that the drummer writes 99 percent of their songs. I can't think of any. I think Phil Collins. I'm sorry. He just writes the lyrics. Yeah, the he just writes the lyrics. All done by yeah, that's Getty and oh, yeah, yeah, but you the see, lyrics, like you're talking lyrically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I, think, yeah. I think Phil Collins did a lot of that when when Genesis was in their pop heyday. I think Phil Collins was okay. was heavy on the lyrics there. Okay, but it's not common to have the drummer come in. No, you know, because usually most songs are created with the guitar guy sitting there, right, right. coming up with melodies and stuff. So it's just weird. Yep. Anyways, the song I didn't realize actually charted. It went to number forty four on the U.S. Mm-hmm. Billboard. 24 in Canada, 25 UK, number 18, mainstream rock. It was number 19 on VH1's heart, greatest hard rock songs. Nice. Uh, the first thing I will say, it's the legendary opening. I don't like Rush. I never got into Rush. I know this song. Everybody knows this song. It is, I don't know, maybe a top 10. If you go, hey, put on like a classic rock station right now. What are you going to hear? Tom Sawyer will be one of them, probably. Yeah, like the music that we listen to. Okay, you can hear Rock and Roll Night, Crazy Train, Tom Sawyer. Like the that is definitely one of the songs you would say is a staple on any classic rock radio station. So here we go. We're gonna start listening to Rush, and I'm like, all right, I gotta start getting used to Getty's voice. The best thing that happened to me listening to this album and why it won't be as bad is because good old ABCPA Inc. Tony Barone <laughs> sent me permanent waves first. Yeah. Good. I- I'm going to say to you right off the bat. I like that album better. A uh, lot of people do. I got used to that album, that voice. Yeah. It's better than this. This, I feel like he's back to it. I know you were talking about Tom, that he was trying to be more conscious of that vocal and mm-hmm. to get away from the screeching, but it's, you got to work to listen to it. And to not get so distracted with his voice for somebody that's new to this band. Yeah, like I, I can see that. That's fair. So I wrote right off the top here, Sonny, the guitar solo. But it seems like there's a bass solo, too. Wait, there's a drum solo here, too. Yep. And I'm like, I'm not sure what to focus on. I love the drum fills. I get it. And I fucking love it. This is the kind of shit that I've always wondered. I wish I could ask a good drummer, but the only one I know is Joey Casada. So I said, you don't know a good one. You don't, you, yeah, so you don't know a good drum. Well, heavy, yeah. heavy Mayo is a drummer, but I don't, maybe he's, I don't know. <laughs> heavy Mayo. <laughs> He is. I'm sure he is. I'm, I mean, he's no Joey Casada. My, no, I don't know any good drummers. <laughs> but what I always want to know is why is it when I listen to The Who, I can hear everything Keith Moon is doing and I'm going, boom, 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 hitting the cymbal. Bon, uh, Zeppelin, same thing. Uh, Cream, same thing. Early Carmine, a piece. You can hear him on Rod Stewart. Neil, I can hear everything. 
and yet everybody else just gets like that thrown into the mix. You don't really hear it. You got to work to hear the drums. Yeah. I love how they, whoever produces and gets this out, I'm sure it has a lot to do with his talent, but mm-hmm. I love this. Yep. And I just don't understand why people don't put that drum sound out in front so you well, can catch everything. Well, I, I, you bring up a good point. L- listen to the drummers that you just named. Yeah. You just named like the greatest drummers <laughs> in history. So that's but, probably why. That's probably why. Oh, and he, uh, another one is Ian Pierce, uh, Pace. Exactly. From yeah. De- Deep Purple. Listen Deep to Purple. The, and yeah. I'm like, and I'll listen to them and I'll be like, even fucking uh, Kramer from, uh, not from Seinfeld, from Aerosmith, the Joey early Kramer. shit. Yeah. You're like the same thing. You can hear everything. I mm-hmm. fucking love that. Yep. And so this is, here's the thing. And and I and I don't want to sound like a broken record about a lot of the stuff about it's this okay. Stuff. Um, the problem I have with this and the album, everything sounds very good. The music is there. The, it sounds interesting. Okay. And I wrote this down because I didn't want to forget it. But what do I do with it? <laughs> what? Like, what do I do with this? Okay. The drums sound good. The guitar sounds very good. The bass guy's going nuts. But it's it's like I can't get into it. There's it it for me. It's not it's not catchy hooks, or it's not head banging fucking you know master of puppet. Dun, 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 dun. It, but neither neither is REM. REM's got catchy songs like uh, Man on the Moon and stuff. You can get into it. There's okay. a lot of REM songs that I listen to. They're early shit. You don't hear me talking about that stuff. That are just like oh okay. This is the same thing. I get and respect the musicianship. The problem I have is put it into a song that I like. I, I, this song works a little bit for me. Everything's interesting. And as soon as something becomes interesting, they change it. There's a lot of shit going on. A lot of shit. And it's just hard to stay focused. And it's for me, it's not really catchy and it's not headbanging. And it's not really as melodic as I want it to be. It it doesn't have those hooks that those fucking eighties hooks there a Paul would have or a or a they're not, bon a, hook, Jovi they're not a hook band. I know that, and that's the type of music I enjoy. Not to and, mention, this song has no chorus. It Think does that. have that There's when no the chorus. when that that synth comes in. The world is the world is love, and yeah, but but that's I not find really, that it, shit interesting. Me they too. Change it and yeah. And that's what I mean. Like, I like that stuff, but it's not like when I hear this, like, I know you Rush fans would get it and you probably do drum fill stuff. Like, it's, I can imagine, like, what do I do if I'm at this concert? Am I, like, am I singing along? Am I head banging? Yes. Or am I, like, it just feels like it's just a lot of shit going on. I feel like it's a jazz, like a lot of jazz music. Like, you know, wow, that fucking flute guy trumpet guy or the sax guy is going nuts oh wow look at this guy uh the bass guy is going to... a lot of interesting stuff but it's hard for me to do, like the song and mm-hmm. to sit back and go and start singing it in the car and stuff yeah. I, I don't know if for, the this song is well known because everybody hears it on classic rock radio uh when getty lee says <laughs> this is the part tom and when and what you say about his company is what you say about society? Oh, I, I said that. Yeah. that is a fucking witch. Yes, it sounds like a witch. I He's even it. doing like I got a witch voice. I love it. 
it, it's their most famous song. Let's be honest, right? Uh, apparently, Alex says the guitar solo was like five different solos, and they just mixed up the different solos that he put into it. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, it, it's classic rock. Uh, you you got to you got to tip the hat to it. It's uh, it, there's a lot going on here, and then they did a video. The videos are standard across the board. The three videos that we're going to talk about. Yeah, they're in Lay Studio where they recorded the album. Yep. Yeah, they look like they're outside the fucking Edmonton Oilers playoffs. Yeah, I'm exactly. fucking exactly. playing outdoors or something. Yep. It makes me like the music better. Me too. I agree. I don't know because I got injured. I can watch those videos more so than I can listen to the song because you're seeing exactly what they're doing to perform it. Yep. And it made me actually more fond of the song, especially watching, watching Neil. Doing it. Especially watching Neil. Yeah, because the video matches up with all the fills and all the stuff and what yeah. Alex is doing. And then just like it's like work. It doesn't seem like it's like they look like they're working. They're not having fun. It's like like mm-hmm. Getty Lee's doing 15 different things with his feet. Then he's singing and then he's got the bass and then he's got the synth and he's got all sorts of fucking bats and shit flying around him. I don't know, but he's <laughs> like, that's like hard work what they're doing. Yeah. Agreed. Sonny thoughts on the video. Yeah. The video to me, you know, I, you watch Neil and he seems focused. You watch Alex. He looks like he's having fun though. Right. Because I yeah. think totally, you know, if I'm in, if I'm in my head, I'm like, if I'm Alex, I'm like, I can play guitar and Nobody can do what these two are doing. I'm kind of glad to be here. Right. So he seems like he's having fun. Getty. I couldn't get to the playing because all I could think about is those glasses will never fall off his nose. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Like those glasses are permanently affixed to the nose. I couldn't get past the. It's Uh, funny what you say about Neil. If you see him in concert or anytime, he is laser focused as if he is like. Like Zeus said, working like, yeah, like he's like like he's, like he's crafting something. He's not sitting there looking at the camera and going boom, boom. He's he is focused on his task because his task is the most important thing to him right there that's going on, you know. And that's why I remember way back we talked we did talk to Joey Casada about different drummers, and he was saying that to him one of the quote unquote faults in Neil Peart is that it's very very technical. That there is no swing and feel to what he does, which is fine. That's the style. Like, yeah, it's not a John Bonham. It's not a Peter Chris. It's not a Keith Moon. It's it's a different. It's it's very structured and very 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 technical. That requires that kind of like deliberate attention that he gives to it. So when you look at it, he, he does look like somebody who's at work. Yeah, but I'll give him credit in this sense. I feel if you put on a song and the vocals don't come on, I'll be like, oh, that's Rush. Because oh, yeah. that's, I, I yeah. can hear his drumming. Yeah. Like yeah. I can pick that up now, yep. which is to me a great compliment. That's yep. awesome. Yep. So, all right, let's bring out a red Barquetta or Shedda. We'll find out.
All right, so beginning of this song kind of sounds like an intro to like a movie, right? Like the lion roars, and then the movie kind of goes to this scene, you know, in desolate Iowa, and then music starts, and you see the lead character driving. Like, that's kind of what it sounded like to me. And then I'm like, man, these musical interludes in between a verse or in between the chorus and the next verse I get it. They need to set the mood. They're just too goddamn long. And they're changing so many times in a song that that's what kind of loses me. Cause I, you know, I just want it simple. I got no problem with car driving songs. I love the screeching tires before the guitar solo starts and everything Neil is doing is awesome. Right. But then I read something about the lyrics, a stunning short story in isolation details a character, rec- character's reckless joyride in a futuristic dystopia where sports cars have been outlawed by a motor law. Dude, I, mm-hmm. I, need the, I need the song to be red car cool and like quiet riot dude in three minutes. Dude, you mean that, little this, red Corvette? Whatever. Right? See, this like, is, I, see I, I'm, glad, I'm glad you said that because now everybody understands why you don't like Rush. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's right. just, it's too... Smart. And... That's true. And I've said that before. And Zeus was trying to uh, say, you know, he couldn't get into it, et cetera. I got the same problem because it's like, okay, I'm not going to hum it later. I'm not going to play air guitar to it later. I'm not going to listen to it driving. I'm not going to listen to it doing my wife. So when am I listening to this shit? <laughs> so, so, okay. Did he say do my wife. So, so there's no, so every piece or every style or type of music. You can't just enjoy it for what it is, which is a musical performance. Like there needs to be, you need to have some activity attached to the music. Like you can't just sit back and be like, this is like incredible artistry. Like it's a musical, like, uh, let me ask you this. And, and serious question. Do you enjoy any kind of jazz music? 
Not much. Okay. All right. So that's fair. There you yeah, go. Okay. Yeah. And no problem. That's and fine. I'll tell you, I can respect it. Yeah. I can definitely respect it. But when the musical interlude just goes too long, this okay. is exactly why I don't listen to dream theater. It's like, dude, seriously, dream theater. Like, is can we get yes. on with this shit? Right. So it just, it, it never was in my bang zone and I just okay. can't find times where I would enjoy it. To be honest, that's, I got you. All right. So it's based on a short story called a nice morning drive written by Richard S. Foster. It was found in a 1973 November issue of Roden track magazine. Who would have thought that Neil was reading Roden track magazine. Fun fact about this song. It was recorded. This is the fucking genius of rush. Now, I don't know if it was the first, the second, the 10th, but the song was recorded in one take. This is not an edited cut up version of the song. It was recorded in one fucking take. Now, for me, this might not be my favorite Rush song, but if you're a fan of Rush and you enjoy this band and what they do, to me, this is their greatest achievement in terms of them as a band, in terms of what they're doing musically. Neil is off the fucking chains as this this song progresses. To me, the song almost sounds as if it's a car that's getting that's racing. Like like near the end of the song, when Neil is just going absolutely batshit on the on the hi hats and the ride cymbals and everything, and just it's just crazy. In that VH1 Classic Albums documentary, Terry Brown is in the studio and he isolates the drums on this. It's bonkers that a man with two hands and two feet is doing all this. It's just absolutely incredible. Very very cinematic song, but that's how that's how Neil writes. Neil writes these things. It's just absolutely incredible. Um. To the Red Barchetta, Red Barchetta, Getty admits that he pronounced it wrong. It, 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 it is a hard a hard C sound. In the original story, it had an MGB, and uh, Neil changed it to a Ferrari, Barchetta. Um, I, I, I think it's just a wonderful song if you're a Rush fan. I understand what you guys are saying. Believe me, I do. You know, it's not Crazy Train. It's not Welcome to the Jungle. It's not a song that you're going to, at a barbecue put on i i totally i get that but for me and i think that's why maybe rush is like a mood band i mean as much as i love them there are times there are times when i'm like you know what i want to put on the metallica black album because that's what i feel like listening to now or i'll be like you know what i feel like listening to permanent waves or moving pictures but i think that's why all three of us can agree that we all kind of like a bunch of different things depending on what you're in the mood for and i get that rush a i totally get that rush is not for everybody and I totally get that it's not as musically great as this song is. It you might be like, yeah, it's it's good, but I just it doesn't like Zeus said, it doesn't do anything for me. And, that, and that's okay. But for me, I think this is them, no pun intended, firing on all cylinders. And our buddy Tony, we keep bringing up Tony, he says that this is their best song on the album, at least. It, it's fucking incredible. Tony Musalam? No fucking way. Tony Barone, the same Tony no we've been talking way. about. It's I was going to say, on this show, whoever quotes Tony Musalam's taste loses the argument. Because <laughs> I had no idea when you said Tony, my mind went to, to because we were just talking about the cruise, me and Sonny. I'm going to leave it up to you whether or not you want to edit that out or keep it in the episode. <laughs> no, I'm leaving it in. <laughs> me, Sonny and I were just talking about the cruise while you were taking care of Scout for a second. You yeah. guys didn't hear it because we edited it out. But we, my mind was on Tony, and you're like, 
Like, why the fuck is Tom bragging about what Tony thinks? That's not a positive thing, Tom. Restrained Barquetta. <laughs> they do a cover on in their new album coming out. It is Tony does have a new album coming out, so go give him some love, guys. Restrained's got a new album coming out. So uh Red Barquetta. Am I saying that correctly, Tom? Well, he said well, he Getty says I know Barquetta. He, yeah, Barquetta, though. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it went to uh, consider number five, top 10 best rush songs. Yeah. According to Rolling Stone. A lot of people have it in the top five, sometimes even higher than that. Yeah. Number three, ultimate classic rock of all rush 167 songs. Uh, It starts off almost like a little bit of a soft rock song. Now I know this song came out after this song, but to me, I think the similar kind of things it reminds me of, and you guys wouldn't know any of this stuff. It's Alan Jackson's drive, not musically, story-wise, okay. talking about he remembers his uncle got him into a boat when he was young. Then he got his first car. His, his grandfather got him a car, and he was driving it. You know, And it seems like reminiscent, that old nostalgic feeling about, oh, my uncle had this old car. and this. I didn't realize in the beginning uh you know where where the story was coming from i thought he was just talking about an old car his uncle had and and he just drives it around in the woods you know yep yep uh, i didn't realize the whole backstory and I, then i finally picked up uh when getty does the run like the wind dude settle down i love it getty lee <laughs> he gets all excited and so then my mind goes to stupid things of course and i'm picturing a, like a hot chick Seeing like, oh, this guy in this convertible and this awesome red fucking Ferrari flying, and the chick looks over and it's like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> and it's Getty Lee talking, singing about this hair wind going back from the wind, <laughs> and somebody pulling up next to him and go, oh my god, oh Jesus, <laughs> it's that guy from Russia. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, it is you know the lyrics again, smart lyrics intelligently written like too smart for us um the the music is good i didn't get it tom i didn't get like i thought it was a, a pretty good song i didn't i didn't pick up on the brilliance as you say that's why i'm not a drummer uh, of of uh, of neil peart playing on this song i thought it was just ordinary compared the, to other songs as, as you listen to the song progress you can hit like like getty even sounds like he's getting more excited as he sings and then Neil just just goes off, but that's yeah. I don't know. That's because I've been here listening to the song for forty Maybe so. years. Like I, there are other songs that I can see. Like I'm like, oh my yeah. god, this guy's going fucking nuts. Yeah. Uh, and again, I wrote down, huh? Alex's solo is pretty good again, but there's a loud bass and drum solo over yeah. it. Yep. <laughs> yep. Uh, but I like I, I wrote. It's a pretty cool story. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, anyways, let's go to our favorite type of music. An instrumental.
All right. So why, why Zed? I love the start because when I was listening to it, I'm like, oh, that's going ear to ear to ear. Normally I pick that up because it's like, wait a second, the, the music stopped, right? So it's like, oh, it's going ear to ear. So it's kind of cool listening to it on the headphones. I don't know if this was ever on Guitar Hero, but I've heard this song somewhere before. The three are absolutely killing it on their instruments. There's tons of flavors in the music. There's no doubt about that. And I will tell you, for me, the instrumental actually works because Getty's not singing. And it could have really ruined the song, (laughs) right? I liked the stories around these songs, right? Like inspiration can happen anywhere. And Neil just sitting there at the airport and going, that's awesome. Um, I liked that the guitar solo had a Middle Eastern feel to it. I liked that the instrumental wasn't 12 minutes long. So then I realized when I was looking, doing my research, that it lost the Grammy for best rock instrumental. And I'm like, well, what did it lose to? And it was some song called Behind My Camel by the Police. First thing I said to myself was, the police does instrumentals? So I go listen to Behind My Camel. Not good. Not good. good. And I love the police, but Behind the Camel is not good. Come on. They deserve the Grammy. I actually really like this song. I, I really do like this song. Yeah, it, it's phenomenal because that that little intro with the you know the little beginning when he's hitting the triangle, the bell. That's Morse code for YYZ, YYZ, which is the inner, the airport code for uh, Toronto Pearson International Airport, which is where the guys are from. It's YYZ. Like here, we live in the Boston area, Logan Airport. BOS is the airport code, or Manchester near me is MHT. That's YYZ. Um, and that whole little bell at the beginning. And then even when the instruments all kick in, that's them. That's the Morse code, which is again, fucking Rush is on a different tier. I mean, you got poison singing about Jimmy's bar and grill Rush is doing Morse code. I mean, it's fucking incredible. It's incredible. Um, and, and, and like you said, say the inspiration they're at the airport and they heard it and they're like, Oh, that's kind of like a cool rhythm. Let's make a freaking song out of this. Now, when I, talked earlier about how i had the cassette in 1981 this was the song i was obsessed with on the cassette i couldn't stop listening to this i couldn't believe that i because i had never up until that point i had never heard an instrumental that was so melodic so like it it did different things it it it, it slowed down it sped up it was it was all over the place um i read something somewhere and I never put this together. So you, when, when you read something, a thought gets put into your head. You kind of look at something or listen to something with like a fresh set of ears. So they claim that the song was written as if you're in the airport waiting for your plane. The plane takes off. You're in the air flying. And then the plane lands and you get off the plane. Because there's that segment in the middle of the song where the music kind of calms down and it's almost like you're floating in the air. Um, It's just incredible. Getty and Neil said that it was supposed to be just a drum and bass jam, which it was at the beginning. Then Alex came in and and wrote his guitar parts. It's, It's just a phenomenal, phenomenal song. Rush geeks out there, they will argue over this or their other epic instrumental, La Via Strangiato, which is it's it's that argument that a lot of rush fans have they're both great but for me this is the one that holds a lot of nostalgia for me i i think it's fantastic and to to talk about our instrumental this way on arc because usually they're throwaways but i don't think yyz is going to be a throwaway for us 
YYZ. So this one is credited to Getty Lee and Neil Peart. Peart. Uh, nominated for the Grammy. It lost it's four minutes and 26 seconds. Uh, it's been covered a bench a bunch of times, apparently. And I think actually they played it with Taylor Hawkins at an F, uh, Foo Fighters concert. Yes. Rest in peace. Right? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Dave Grohl and Taylor Hawkins were obsessed with Rush. Both drummers. Yeah. This, I mean, this is the same thing I was talking about the previous song. Okay. It's good. I can hear the talent. What do I do with it? I'm like, okay, it's like a little doon 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 doon. And I went biddly biddly But like I, I I get it. It's like listening to a jazz song or a classical musical piece. We're like fucking this conductor. Wow, he wrote this yeah. music. Oh, it's interesting. Wow. You know what is Zeus? Like, and I'm just like, like it, it's okay. like going to it's like going to a museum, looking at a beautiful piece of art and being like, oh, okay, what now what do I do with it? Yeah, because I'm not I'm not that's not where you know certain yep. people have a brain that goes to that shit and the theater yep. and the musical and the art and yeah and other are like dude those chicks tits are hot yeah <laughs> like which or, is why there's no hot chicks with tits at freaking rush concerts <laughs> like this is like this is like too sophisticated for me it's too intelligent yeah it's like work and this is the problem with this album yeah. this was work for me this yeah. not like it was like listening to torture music that they put in Guantanamo Bay and they make <laughs> people listen to. I'm not saying it was bad like that, but like I couldn't like remember songs. I couldn't. There was no catchy chorus for me or hook for me that there was. Me. There was no shake me. Oh, <laughs> I would listen to that five thousand times over before I, I listen to this. I know you, so, but I. So it's like. Eating broccoli is good for you. I, I yeah, but give me a fucking pizza. Oh, come on. this is hard work, like in Rush, and I don't want to, and I can't afford to be- do hard work when I'm listening to music. Exactly. There you go. Yeah, that's it's just again, I recognize the brilliance in these musicians, okay, but I don't like instrumentals, and you guys know that. Mm-hmm. And I've talked about it many times. I certainly don't need a four minute, 26 minute, but the people that like rush love this shit. So keep doing these songs. People love it. I don't have to love it, but you do great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's what I see. Okay. Cool. Yep. Let's go to the next track. Living in the limelight, the universal dream for those who wish to see. Those who wish to be must put 
limelight uh sounds a little you know part new wave to me part jazz i like the riff i can tolerate getty's voice when it's in that lower register at the front part of the song that that there i can tolerate it he doesn't stay there so whatever what i love about these types of songs that have this message because the story's always intrigued me because as neil said extroverts don't understand introverts and reality is i have a job where i have to be an extrovert but in reality i am an introvert Mm -hmm. i am more to that side and my wife is extreme extrovert so there is times where i'm just watching her do her thing and i'm just like god i can't like i gotta move away from this conversation because i i really don't like people that much Mm -hmm. right she went over and introduced (laughs) herself to the neighbors i'm like why i would never i don't (laughs) even know Dude, I've lived in my house for 16 years. I don't know almost any of, I know like maybe two houses near me worth of neighbors. Yeah. I don't know. Them. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to so, know them. <laughs> I've been in this town for 15 years. I know two people. Yeah. Fuck yeah. them. Yeah. <laughs> so this whole, like I said, the story always intrigues me about, look, dude, you think you want to be me, but it ain't easy being me because it shows us vulnerability of these supposed rock stars that are supposed to be banging anybody they can, eating and drinking anything they want, buying anything they want. And it just kind of makes it a little more real. And I will tell you what put it on top for me and why I like the song so much. Even the guitar solo had a little bit of a sad feel, a little bit of a pain to it. Like, stop thinking it's easy being us. It ain't being easy being us right now. And uh, so I really, really like this song. Mm. Always have, actually. Yeah, the riff. It's funny. Rush is not a, a riff band. You know what I mean? This is a riff song. That opening riff with just the guitar. It's just Alex just crunching that riff. Then it kicks in. This has got to be to me, in my opinion, as a Rush fan. Just I think it's their most accessible, user friendly song. Verse, chorus, verse, riff, solo. Um, Alex, uh, excuse me. Getty's vocals are not breaking glass. Uh, you know they're kind of down there. Uh, and you're right about Neil. A lot of people think Neil comes off as like aloof or something. He's he's not. He's he's an introvert, and he he's he's a very very private person. And when he wrote this, that was his way of being like, look, you know, living in the limelight. It's like he he's perfect quote. He said, "I never wanted to be famous. I wanted to be good." And what he and 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 he never understood that when you become good or great, you're going to become famous. You know, and and that's that was kind of like the quote unquote cross that he had to bear. Alex had a great way to describe this song. He said, if you listen to the verses, the verses are very bright and poppy. Once the song switches gears and Getty gets into the bridge, into the chorus, it's very dark and, and somber and kind of brings that emotion out that that Neil was writing about. And the solo, by far my favorite Alex solo. I think the solo itself is beautiful, very, very emotional, and it conveys a sense of like sadness and loneliness that Neil is trying to get with the lyrics. Um, yeah, I think it's just a it's just a brilliant song. I've always this is still a go-to song for me. There are certain songs by bands that you love that you're like, ah, I don't know if I need to hear that song again, but Limelight, always love hearing it. All right. So Limelight, I think this was their first single off this album. It made it to number 55 on the U.S. Billboard. 18 in Canada, number four in mainstream rock. Number 435 in Rolling Stone's Greatest Songs in 2021. And it was another song along with 
uh, I believe Tom Sawyer, that's in the Canadian Songwriter Hall of Fame. One of okay. five. Wow. One of five Rush songs that have gotten that uh, privilege, shall hmm. we say? Okay. It's interesting you say about Neil not wanting to get that popular and stuff, and since we just did a uh, REM. Album review, and we were talking a little bit about Montgomery Cliff. It's very similar. They okay, both yeah, seem yeah. like a mu- I, like Neil wants to be a musician, not a rock star. Yep. And Monty wanted to be an actor, not a movie star. And yep. he's more interested in the craft, which is what sounds like Neil is into, mm-hmm. than the bullshit that comes with it. Um, just a, a simple thought that just came to my head. Do you think that ever when Rush played with Kiss and uh, Neil's like, I don't feel good. Hey, Peter, can you jump in and play this to play this night for me? Jump in. (laughs) Probably not. What would happen if Peter had to jump in for Neil? He could probably he Peter could probably play limelight. (laughs) He could probably he could probably play limelight. Peter Chris would have a heart attack, like a little heart attack halfway through the concert. Throw shit. Get all pissed off. Have you ever have you ever seen the size of Neil's drum set? It's like a fucking just, cockpit to the space shuttle. It's like completely 360. Meanwhile, Peter, Peter has a bass, a snare, and like a floor tom, and that's it. <laughs> I'm like, and I'm the Peter fan, but no, I, gotta I know be, I got to be honest. He would have a heart attack trying to play Tom Sawyer. He yeah, would, though. No. Stick. I could, do cold, exactly. I could do cold gin. That's about it, buddy. Yeah. yeah, I'll tell you exactly what it'll sound like if you ever go on YouTube. Go punch in Led Zeppelin, whole lot of love, live aid ninety five. Oh. And you will find Phil Collins <laughs> playing the drums. Ooh, really? And but it and, is brutal. See, that's interesting. I mean, I I know Phil yeah, Collins know. is it's, John Bonham, but, but Phil Collins oh. is a fantastic drummer. But he's not John Bonham, though. Oh, uh, he got obviously. blasted by the band and everybody about that. I really? thought you guys, I thought, oh yeah, he got blasted. The band wasn't happy with his performance. Interesting. Like, he, never, he never got the fucking what do you call it with them? He didn't even do Rehearse? sound check. Yeah, he yeah, fucking nothing. flew in. Remember. Wow. So it was just brutal. I thought you were going to say, Sonny, yeah, just put on Creatures Fest and uh, see a guy named Joey <laughs> oh, yeah. Casada back there. <laughs> good luck, Bruce. <laughs> good luck, Casada. Oh, hope you can do a good job on this one. <laughs> Anyways, this is one of the few songs I knew yeah. by Rush. Again, remember I said I only know of a couple of their songs. Uh, and this is the closest thing I wrote to this being a rock song. Uh, I like the lyrics. I really have grown after listening to this album and reading about Rush stuff. I really become a big Neil fan. I just don't like the fact that people say he's better than Bonham. He's not, but in my opinion, different, two different, opinion. different kinds of yeah. drummers. I get just my opinion, but I'm yeah. saying, so I always, always had a little animosity towards him, but he's a likable person reading more about him in the band. He become likable. Even Getty Lee's just funny because he's just Getty Lee and Getty Alex is literally like one of the nicest guys. Just a, just a and regular Alex guy is a, is a great guitar guy. Yeah. He's always, you always hear nice things about the band. So I'll give him that. Uh, the solo is pretty cool. I wrote, if I can block out the bass <laughs> again, I want to hear his solo better and out loud and out front. Alex says it's his favorite solo to play live. Uh, Limelight is the song that most of us non rush fans know. So, mm-hmm. uh, let's talk about the video. It's the second one in that kind of series. Uh, those, uh, shots when they're, playing the Calgary flames outside in that winter cabining and they're all in rushes playing indoors. Uh, this one is, 
got the distinction of seeing an eraser head poster yes. on the wall. Yes. Other than that, it's them performing the song and it makes you like the song even more when you see what they're doing. Very cool. I yeah, enjoy that. I enjoy the that. video for sure. Yeah. yeah. But I enjoy watching them play. I do yeah. not enjoy looking at Getty Lee, though. He is not a handsome man. <laughs> we, we've, we've, we've established that. All right. Let's go to the favorite type of song for Sonny. A long one. Camera Eye, also known as the Gitmo theme song. <laughs> Good Lord, dude. 10 minutes and 59 seconds. Like the weird synth, synth thing sound again. I'm just like, stop wasting my time and get to this shit. I was happy that the music kicked in, but it took almost three minutes to kick in. Then I'm like, we're not going to get lyrics. We're not going to get any vocal. Then Getty kicks in at 340. I'm like, can we stop the vocal? That's really bad. Can we stop now? <laughs> the interludes are too damn long. And I'm like, all right, I promised these guys I would listen to this shit. So, all right, keep going. And it felt like it lasted an hour. I looked down. I was halfway through the song. And I'm just like, <laughs> Jesus Christ. I had every intent of telling you, you two, whether I like New York better or London better. But I lost fucking interest. Right. So I, I guess I like London better because New York was first. But if this song was playing on a plane from New York to London, I just fucking jump out of the plane. Brutal. <laughs> 10 minutes and 59 seconds of my life. I'm never getting back. I cannot believe you made me listen to this. I think what the one one of the many things that are coming out of this episode is not only do we understand that you don't like Rush. <laughs> But we also understand that I am at a heightened level of intelligence over you. 
And me, apparently. Yeah. That's okay. Oh, That's okay. sorry, Lex okay. Luthor. Yeah. Hey, hey, is that a, you making bald jokes now? Um. All right, camera eye. Uh. Yeah, I'm a Rush fan. I love it. Uh. I, I mean, I'm used. I'm used to this. I'm used to this. I love it. Uh. It is their last song to ever exceed ten minutes. Uh. They got away from that for the remainder of their career after that. Wow. Yep. Uh. They were famous for the long stuff in the early parts of their career. This was the last time they did it. Um. More. Neil Academia. Uh, it, it, the, the title refers to short pieces from the USA trilogy of novels written by American writer John Dos Passos. Like Neil. Oh, yeah, John. Yeah, Neil, do you oh, read, that guy. Do, Neil, do you ever pick up an issue of jugs? I mean, enough with the fucking novels here. Read something stupid. I mean, you know what I mean? Um, I don't know. I like it. I, I, it. It's two sections, New York and London, because he talks about the different situations he encountered when he visited both places. I don't know. I like it. I like Rush. So I like this. It's I like the the long format. I like how the music's going all over the places, doing different things. But that's why I'm a Rush fan. That's why you're not. That's I get it. This is not a song. You're like, oh, guys, you ever hear Rush? Um, let me play the camera eye for you. You're going to love it. I get <laughs> it. But I, I enjoy it. All right. The camera eye. I'm not going to say I'm Tom, but I don't know. I don't mind this one, Sonny. I don't like, I feel like this is Rush's true self. Yeah. Be your true self. This is the shit that you do. I didn't have a problem with it. I can see why people like it. It was interesting. It had a lot of different things going on. Again, there's like five, six different parts to this song. So I'm trying to remember if a certain part of the song was part of uh is that the part in is it wait a minute is that how uh witch hunt goes oh wait a minute is that how that goes no no that's the middle section of like it's hard but I don't mind it the lyrics are cool the the background story it's it's interesting yeah. and again I like the longer plotting thought out kind of closing type of songs outlaw torn like suicide mm -hmm. tom the this i feel is similar in that vein should have been the closer it. yeah i i don't mind it it, it makes it, it's okay uh i like the the eerie i feel the sen the the sense of possibilities like yeah I, it's got that i don't know foreboding like something's going on so it makes you listen mm -hmm. i was interested in it at least it gave me something to kind of consider a little more but it's all right. I don't have a problem with it. Okay. All um, right. Let's go to the next one.
hunt so got that kind of horror theme musical opening guitars got a little bit of a you know a darker evil feel to it uh you know that whole thing about the mob recording outside on a december day i I thought that was all those are all good stories about a minute in you get that cool guitar riff i i like the lyrics right because the song is like kind of listening to a movie soundtrack and then this Mm -hmm. was the song when i noticed i'm like all right there's parts of this song I like. What is it? I go, it's got to be Alex. So I yeah. went and did some research on Alex's, basically, you know, the type of music he liked and what he grew up on, his influences. Jimi Hendrix, Pete Townsend, Jeff Beck, Eric Clapton, Jimmy Page. I'm like, oh, okay. So Alex is the rock guy in oh, this totally, band. totally. And that's why I'm liking a lot of what Alex is doing. I'll reiterate. These three are uber talented, right? If... I just, I can't listen to the song. I just don't have a reason to listen. That's, that's basically what it was. It was fine for what it was, but I'm like, mm-hmm. I listened to the song probably 10 times. I couldn't tell you how three seconds of it goes. It just did not <laughs> stick with me. Thank you. That's the problem I had with this whole album, Sonny. Like I, I, I can't, there's no parts that I can la- latch on to that. I'm like, oh yeah, that, that groove is in my head or that chorus, or that hook. It's hard. It's hard work. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So there you go. All right. So Witch Hunt is part of, uh, for Rush nerds, will be familiar with the Fear series of songs, which again, because Rush has to do things weird and interesting. So this is part, this was the first in the Fear series, but it was part three. They go in reverse order. So you got Witch Hunt off Moving Pictures. Part two is the weapon off of Signals. Part one is the enemy within off of Grace Under Pressure. And then they added the fourth part, Freeze, off of Vapor Trails. And each part of Fear deals with different types of personal phobias and personal fears. Again, way too friggin' academic and intellectual for most regular people, but that's Neil. Um Witch Hunt, it, to me, it sticks out on this album. I don't know if it's in a good or a bad way. It's just very, very different. It's very dark and foreboding. It's creepy. Um, it, 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 the music's, the music fits the lyrics and the title track and what it's about. Alex said that those sounds that you hear at the beginning of people talking, he said it was a bunch of people outside sub-zero temperatures in Canada. Everybody was just shouting 
and going crazy and that that was like the intro and it was supposed to be a gathering of people during like the salem witch trials the big crowd of people you know the mob mentality type thing yeah it, i mean i'll be honest with you it's this the it's not a great song, but I like it just because it's interesting. It's something different. And Rush is never boring to me. To me, Rush is never boring. And uh, this is just a complete little bit of a left turn based on everything else you've heard on the album. So it, it's, it's okay for me. All right. So for me, Witch Hunt is uh, a little like a little bit of both of what you said. So for you, Tom, you say it's interesting. I found the lyrics interesting. I like Neil, what Neil writes. I, I do. Yeah. I think his lyrics are smart, intelligent. I, I just find where he comes up as the <laughs> as the basis, how he gets there. It's like, what the fuck? What were you reading? Who the hell is this? What article? Like, they're just so, I don't know, um, off my uh, radar. Yeah. And at least he comes up and writes interesting lyrics. So I'll give him that. The music's not bad. It's got a little bit of that foreboding kind of, Shit. I'm so scared. Oh, spooky <laughs> lyrics. <laughs> Faces are twisted and grotesque. Yes. <laughs> I think he was describing when he toured with Paul in the band. Oh. Grotesque. Oh, look away. I'm hideous. <laughs> look at you. Your face looks like an old catcher's mitt. <laughs> Your face is, is my, my case. case. <laughs> Who the crooked man? The crooked man. Twisted <laughs> and grotesque. Um, I, I don't know. They're almost. Would you call his lyrics pre-woke lyrics? They're like very I, like on that woke kind of spectrum. Kind of like, kinda, like but, but that's how Neil was. He was just. He was like on an island with the way he thought. I mean, nowadays. In 2022, you would look at these lyrics and be like, that's kind of wokish. Yeah, like, oh, leave immigrants alone. Don't pick right, on this. Right. Don't do this. Yeah. And I don't think that should mean that means you're woke if you don't want to beat up an immigrant. I'm just saying right. that a lot of those I, I got you. themes and stuff, and he seemed like he predated a lot of that. There's yeah, a lot yeah. of synth on this fucking song. A lot of synth. Oh, it gets, yeah, it gets crazy here. Yeah. Um, yeah. Interesting. Again, yeah. I, I just... I know because I'm trying to push picture Sonny because when I listen to Sonny talk about automatic for the people, I'm like, how the fuck does like find the river and shit not move you? Yeah. Or this not move you. So I'm wondering how I'm trying to put myself in Sonny's shoes when I'm thinking to you because you're probably saying the same thing now. Like, how no. is this not moving you? No, 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 no. I, no, 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 no. To me, this makes I I completely understand how people don't like Rush. Because it is very different. It's like art. Okay. I, uh, me personally, I don't understand how somebody does not like find the river that I can't understand. Yeah. I don't get, I understand. I, I understand it's on a rock song. You're not going to be like, yeah, find the river, but it's just that, that is a beautifully constructed pop song. Witch hunt is not a beautifully constructed. Pop no. Song. And the lyrics are deep and meaningful. Very. Can, yes. And yeah. you can go places like this is no different. Witch hunt is no different. It's just, yeah. They're all there. They're all kind of interesting. Yeah. But if I'm by myself and I want to enjoy something, why am I putting on something that's hard? I agree. Like, it's hard to like this. Yeah. I mean, like, I don't hate it's, it. It's hard to have fun with it. Yeah. I don't yeah. hate it. I'm not yeah. ear drumming or ear guitaring with this. Right. I'm not fucking singing the melody over and over again. 
it's just okay. It's the kind of album that you put on and like read the liner notes while you're listening. Like, like you'll just you'll be like, like you're not you're not gonna like I said. I keep using the example. You're gonna be like, hey, I'm gonna have a party. We're gonna uh, you know hang out and cook some burgers, and I'm gonna throw in witch hunt. <laughs> I, I can hook you up with a, a good looking buddy of mine. His name is Getty. He'll be over in a half an hour. <laughs> Let's go to the last track. Vital signs. All right. So this song has a little bit of reggae to it, right? The bass lines are absolutely nuts. I like the idea of the lyrics. Again, one of my bang zone type topics. It's like pressures of society is trying to get you to conform. Fuck them. We ain't conforming like that. You know, that there's it's in rap music. It's in rock music. It's in some pop music that that feels always interests me. After listening to this song a couple of times, though. All I could hear is Sting singing it for some reason. And I'm like, my God, in my head, Sting is singing this so much better, right? Because I just, I don't like Eddie's voice, but it's got a really police peppy reggae feel to it. So at least got me interested. It was just the vocal that turned me off and the, the funny story in the video, it, it had me on the floor. I When I looked it up, I'm like, oh, my God. So we'll talk about that a little bit. All right. So Vital Signs, I always thought this was cool because it came out in 81. And at this time, I, I was into, like most people, like that new wave synth sound. And this was like over the top with the, the sequencer at the beginning with a really cool sound. The reggae influences were very, very uh, prominent here. It's a pretty cool song. I mean, you know, the way that the drums, it's almost like some steel drum sounds that Neil's using. The song is kind of like disjointed rhythmically, which I know is kind of a weird thing to say about a Rush song, but it's this has never been like a go-to for me. Shockingly, they did a video for it, but again, it's it's part it's from the studio with the Tom Sawyer and Limelight videos is really nothing crazy. This one is uh it's just okay. It's just okay. 
Wow. Vital Signs. This made it to number 37. Classic Rock says best rush song. It was their second single. There's kind of like an alarm going off. And it sounds like the theme to Stranger Things. That's what was like when I'm thinking like that thing that's going on. I'm like, this sounds like Stranger Things. And I made me wonder, did they take that from Rush 81? An album that came out like listen to the theme and then tell me if that beginning doesn't sound like that when you do the opening theme music to Stranger Things. I don't know. I like the chorus. A tired mind becomes a shape shift there. I don't know if it was about trans. I don't know what the fuck he was going with. It's about Uh, him. He's a shape shifting witch. (laughs) He is. (laughs) Everybody needs reverse polarity. What are you talking about? (laughs) I like the lyrics about like like I'm used to I'm used to to listen to read my body. And this guy's talking about reverse polarity. (laughs) They say it's a reggae riff. I'm like, really? I don't know. There's a lot of bass. I mean, the bass is up front on everything. And I actually like, I like it. And I go, well, we haven't, the one one thing we haven't brought up at all, if I can just real quick segue, did any of you guys see the movie I Love You Man with Paul Rudd? Do you got a double neck? Do you know how to play that thing? Uh, uh, Well, not not nearly as as good as you, but uh, I... uh, I, I, I have uh, been known to slap at the bass uh, big time. Why is he talking <laughs> like a leprechaun? <laughs> Everybody says that. Of course. Yeah. Okay, because yeah. Rush, yeah, Rush is featured. in the base. Yeah. Sla- yeah, Rush is featured prominently in that yeah, movie. Okay, okay, I okay. I know. Two guys like in Rush, of course. Of course. I, yeah, it's not going to be any girls. <laughs> yeah. The um, I, I don't know. I actually like this song. Okay. I, I, I find it catchy. Only yeah. one. But. Even now, even now, we're like, okay, let's go to the last track. While the, while we were waiting, yeah, I grabbed my iPhone. I'm like, how does Vital Sound sound like again? <laughs> and I had to play it because I can't remember what these songs sound like. Okay, and I've heard this album thirty times and I can't remember. And there's only seven fucking tracks. <laughs> what does that tell you? Either I'm a fucking death or I can't pick up. I don't know. But I, it's hard. It's hard. It's hard work loving this band, Tom. <laughs> it's hard. Anyways, there's, okay. a, a, there's a quick little video, same as the other two. Only one that I popped up. Uh, only, the only thing that sounds unique in this one, Neil has got an Expos hat on. Well, you didn't. So he's got the Expos hat on, which everybody notices, right? And then there was something on his chest. And I'm like, what the hell is taped to his chest, right? So I paused it on youtube and then i kind of uh magnified it and i'm like is that a microphone it so is I do- because i read about it yeah yeah do a little research he had an argument neil did with a producer who wanted to tune the snare differently neil's like it sounds fine to me from my vantage point producer says sound like shit he goes well tape a mic to me and i'll tell you exactly what it sounds like and that it was all over an argument that That's sounds a- so much like me but that's such a fucking boss move. Oh, you think it sounds like shit? Take a fucking mic to me. I'll show you what sounds like shit. Yeah. I'm Neil Peart, bitch. <laughs> it's Pert. <laughs> That'd be great if the guy's like, it's Pert. Get off your high horse. Yeah. Okay. Oh, no, it's Frankenstein. <laughs> Frankenstein? No. Is it pronounced Frodrick? No. Yeah, and I'm J- yeah, and I'm Jerry Cougar Mellencamp. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. So that was the last track. 
Okay. All right. Take a deep breath, dummies. Final <laughs> you, thoughts. You big dummy. <laughs> yeah, you big dummy. Final thoughts. I got to get this off my chest. Go for it. It was hard work listening to this album. The, I didn't remember. I'm like, Rush sucks, Rush sucks, Rush sucks. They do not suck, but I don't like them. I'm trying to listen to it. But Rush is similar to, I would say, a lot similar with a few themes like the R.E.M. album. If I'm in the mood to listen to R.E.M., I'm listening to R.E.M., I'm putting automatic to the people and I'm listening to it. I'm not putting automatic and the people on a shuffle with crazy nights and something else. Right. When I put in a rush, I can't like, I have to be invested. I feel like to listen to rush. I can't slip in rush in danger, dangers, naughty, naughty in the middle of it. Well, you shouldn't be doing that at all anyways. Okay. <laughs> that, that's not recommended, but it's just, <laughs> It's fucking work and it's good for you. Just like eating good, healthy vegetables is good for you. They're talented off the charts talent. And what I've got is a new appreciation for their lyrics, their musicianship. They're good guys from all accounts. I want to like them. I feel like Pete Townsend. Have you ever seen the video of Pete Townsend talking about Led Zeppelin? Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. 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 And he's like, Ah, I I can't stand the band. I don't like them. They're talented as hell. I want to like them because they're good guys, but I can't stand their music. But then he, he, at least he admits, he goes, but but some cases they're they're way ahead of us. It's the same thing. Like I should like them. I want to like them. I just, I can't, I can't. So Sonny. All right. I fully understand why musicians love Rush. It's a musician's band to me. Mm Mm-hmm. I think most people who don't listen to Rush cite Getty Lee's voice as the major problem. I completely understand because that's where I am. Add to that, I'm a melody, vocal, lyric guy, and Rush basically misses on two out of those three for me, so I never listen. You got an outstanding ba- bass player. There's no doubt about that. You got an incredible drummer. There's no got- doubt about that. You got a guitarist who fits, and I'm sure he could probably be a guitar god if he wanted to, but he wasn't, so I can't call him that. And in the end, though, I was a band nerd. I don't like Dungeons and Dragons. I don't like Lord of the Rings. I don't like vampire movies. I didn't watch any Star Trek. I didn't watch any Star Wars. I never saw E.T. So I just got no interest in shit like this. Give me Lethal Weapon and Beverly Hills Cop as movies any day of the week, and I'll take docking over this any day of the week. Even after living with moving pictures for a month, I got no reason to do a deep dive on Rush. All that being said, Tommy, I love you though. So I just want to make sure I say that out loud. <laughs> it's okay. I love you too, brother. Both of you. But you can still have Doc and, and have Rush. You can still have Beverly Hills Cup and have, you know, Lord of the Rings. You can, you can, Doc no, one's, no one's asking you to pick one or the other. Look, and I, and let me preface my comments here by, and I, I, I'm, I'm trying to not, make this sound as like, like, like pompous or anything. I don't know if it's maybe because I come from a family of musicians. Both of my grandparents were professional musicians. They were in bands. They were in orchestras. My dad was an extremely talented piano player. Maybe it's just because I, 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 I enjoy listening to rush for what they are, 
but then at the flip side, I'll throw in fucking invasion of your privacy and like, I'll be like, oh, rats. Awesome. Like I like, like th- there's a place for both. I prefer Rush, but you're right. It's not the kind of music like Zeus. You said it. I'm not going to have people over and be like, uh, you guys want to listen to uh, moving pictures or I can throw on Caress of Steel and have you all leave my house within <laughs> five minutes. If you ever heard that album. I, look, I am never going to fight with somebody about not liking Rush. It's one of the few bands where i be like, I get it. I get it. Getty's vocals, the format of the song, the the very structured, like musical piece that they do. It's, it's, it's like art. Like you said, it's like staring at a piece of art. It's beautiful. But what do I do with it? Um, so I, I have no problem with people not liking Rush. I don't. Uh, I'm pleasantly surprised that both of you didn't run this through the ringer and just like, just that, that you did acknowledge at least the musicianship and the lyrical, like, but I, I, I get that you guys don't like it and I, I don't have a problem with that. All right. So what we do next is we rank these songs. There was only seven of them. Yep. I'll go first. I, uh, witch hunt seven, <laughs> the Getty Lee hunt. The Getty Lee theme song. Yes. Uh, seven for me was The Camera Eye. Could be the worst song we've listened <laughs> oh, to here so we go. far. Every episode, there's a new worst <laughs> song. I forgot that we listened to Use Your Illusion and Automatic for the People, so it's not dead last. Here we go. Number seven for me, uh, uh, instrumental. You know where I go with that. <gasps> again, again oh it's, my it's not... It's not like terrible if I heard it. Like if I'm like waiting for if I'm at a department store, I'm waiting for my girlfriend to get out of her shopping fucking thing, and this is playing in the mall. I'd be like, hmm, hmm, hmm. but I wouldn't be like, oh my god, get me the fuck out of here! Somebody put on Grim Reaper. Like it's not that bad. Uh, my number six is Vital Signs. My number six is Witch Hunt. All right, number six for me. I think I'm going to go with uh, Witch Hunt as well. Number five for me is Camera Eye. Number five for me is Vital Signs. Hmm. Uh, and five for me is the Camera Eye. Okay, this is when it gets tricky for me because these, these top four could pretty much be, depending on what mood I'm in, um, this is probably going to upset some people, but I got number four is Tom Sawyer. Wow. Uh, my number four is Red Barquetta. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Number four for me is the same. Red Barquetta. Oh, this is so tricky here for me, but number three, Red Barchetta. Ketta. Number three for me, believe it or not, is YYZ. Number three for me is vital signs wow number two for me and this is a lot of nostalgia plus i absolutely adore the song and i still do ever since i was eight nine years old i got yyz at number two i know it's an instrumental but i just fucking love it number two for me is tom sawyer number two for me is limelight and number one for me pretty much easily is limelight and number one for me pretty much easily is limelight oh no it's it's tom sawyer's number one for me nice excellent so we've got a clear four so number four is yyz three is red barquetta 
two is Tom Sawyer, and one is Limelight. And that's correct because that's the best four songs. I mean, if you think about, I mean, if you think about it, Y Y Z, a, a fucking instrumental is better. I don't think so. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I'll tell you right now. I don't know if there's a better side one. Granted, it's only four songs, but side one of moving pictures I put up against any fucking album ever. Tom Sawyer, Red Barquetta, YYZ, and Limelight. Oh, my God. Fucking incredible. All right. Because, because you love it so much, I won't say anything. Oh, you? Because- why? I don't care. You can shit on all you want. Rush is my band. I like when people shit on to it. say that those four songs are the best side one of any album. I said it's one of the art. It's oh. arguably one of the best side ones ever by far. Oh, we'll stand yikes. by that. Yikes. I will, oh, I will stand by that. I will argue oh. anybody. Granted, it's only four songs, but is by far the powerhouse of a side one oh. by far. Oh, mm-hmm. all right. We're going to album cover first all right so this is our 34th album that we've reviewed uh if you want to go check out everything that we've done you can go to our website at shoutoutloudcast.com and see uh the previous 33 albums that we've done uh they're all there uh and now we're going to get to album cover rankings and we usually run off our uh top five here so i guess i'll start with my top five i uh, right now, I have number five, Appetite for Destruction. Number four, Peace of Mind. Number three, Highway to Hell. Number two, Blizzard of Oz. And number one, Purple Rain. It's going to take a lot to knock off Purple Rain. Prince on a purple motorcycle with hot Apollonia standing in the fog. Beep, beep. I don't know about that. Moving pictures. I love it. It's iconic. It's clever. But wow, man, that top five is pretty kick-ass. But that being said, I'm putting moving pictures at number three. I'm putting it behind Blizzard of Oz. All right. So my top my top five right now are Once Bitten at five, four is Hotel California, three is Purple Rain, two is Slide It In, one is Peace of Mind. For me, it's going to be hard to knock Eddie off the top spot. And unless you got snakes and titties on you, you're going to have a hard time beating Slide It In. I'm also at number three because I think wow. this is a great album cover. All right. That's a pleasant surprise. You're moving Purple Rain down? That's right. Wow. Uh, that yeah. For an album that you're not a fan of and you're moving Purple Rain, like one of your favorite albums? Wow. It's just the, co- yeah, it's just the cover. It's just a cover. But Purple Rain is just, I love it. But is it, is it an iconic cover? Moving Pictures, I think, is. Yeah, I would say so myself. All right. So my five is Slide It In. Four, Peace of Mind, three, Appetite, two, Blizzard, one, Hotel California. I will put this at 13 above Hail to the King. Oh, okay. It's got a lot of iconic status to it. Uh, It doesn't, if this was just a shitty fucking unknown band, to me, you wouldn't be like, oh my God, no. But if, because it's a, a classic album. That carries like classic weight. Classic yeah. rock band. That carries you, weight. Yeah, that's how I look at it. Uh, I agree. And it's same a good point. With a lot of this stuff, like because who it is and what it is, I'll move it to a certain spot. Uh, I just think Hail to the King is really a cool album, but you know, there's no classic part to that album cover, in my opinion. I just think it's cool. All right, let's go to album itself. 
Oh, I'm curious on this one. Are we going to get a new number one? All right. My top five right now, I got automatic for the people at five mechanical residents at four, 10 at three shout at the devil at two purple rain at number one ring the bell bitches. There's a oh new number one in God. town by far moving pictures. The most easily slam dunk number one pick I've ever had in ARC history by far, not even close. It, it, I w- it's so good that Purple Rain can't even sniff oh, his nose. I don't believe it. I've course, never heard you course. talk about this album so much. Like, because nobody ever okay. like that. I just, but I thought I knew you. I don't. You'd be surprised. Guess what else I'm hiding? Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to find out on the cruise. But why? I, but, I, th- I, but honestly, but, but honestly, I've, I know that you don't like Rush. So why would I ever talk to you about the band? Because, but you know how much I like country shit. Yeah, but I don't hate. Yeah, but I don't hate country. You have been vocal about your dislike for Rush. I'm not vocal about my dislike for Garth. Yeah, but you don't want to hear that shit though. No, but I don't. But I don't. But I don't hate it. I don't dislike it. I don't know. I'm just thinking like I never walked in and heard you listening to it on your or like because I would never play it. Flicking through it like like oh I'm looking at my Rush albums today. I I would just never. Yeah, I, I know. God bless you. I just Se- I secret, never secrets secrets abound. You never know what you're going to learn. I just never pictured it, and especially the iconic way you look at Purple Rain in ten, and you put it over that. Wow. Okay. I'll tell you, it, it, and it ca- singles. It, it carries a lot more weight with me because, as I said at the beginning of the episode, it's seriously my earliest. Probably my earliest non-kiss music memory. Yeah, th- I, I I get that. And sometimes when you're the only one that likes something and you don't have that other person, sometimes you even you like it even more. Like, yeah, it's like you. that's mine. This is my album, bitch. <laughs> it's my personal. <laughs> exactly. Well, it doesn't look like, well, Getty, it doesn't look like you're doing any business. <laughs> yeah. It's my my personal interest of attracting women with Rush. It doesn't <laughs> sound like you're getting any women with Rush. <laughs> All right, Sonny, give me the bad news. All right, so my top five right now, number five, Appetite, four, Slided In, three, Hailstorm, two, Purple Rain, one, Black Tiger. So, Zeus, grab the bell. No way. And throw it out the fucking window. <laughs> no way. I don't have this dead last. I'm going to put it at number 29. Oh. Above Super Unknown and actually below Detonator. I'd rather listen to Rat. Dude, you know what? have you been to an audiologist lately? I'm more upset at what you have <laughs> underneath. <laughs> this is 29. That's it. Wow. That's it. I'm surprised. I thought it was going further that that. Um, all Zeus, right. Zeus will put it in the toilet. Probably. <laughs> we'll see where it goes. Number five, Appetite Four, pyromania. Three, Blizzard of Oz. Two, Hotel California. One, automatic for the people. I'm curious before I give my ranking. Do you guys have albums that if got picked could move your number one? Yes. Tom? Wait, wait, repeat, repeat the question. Do you have, do you guys have albums that yep. if picked would move your number one, like would change your number one pick? Like you haven't, it hasn't been picked yet. Uh, 
Oof, I rush moving pictures right now at number one. I don't, I don't know what would put it this way that I don't know if anything would, I don't know if any non kiss album would bounce this. Ooh. I'm not sure. There's things that there's, th- there's things that might, I don't know. My one and two Russian prints. That's going to take a lot to knock those out of there. I mean, I, I know I say that every episode, but all right. So I, 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 I feel like I will regret this at some point. Um, There is not one song that like in Tom Sawyer is my favorite song off this. Yeah. It's not better for me than 17 is on winger. It's not better than like talk dirty to me. Like, Hold on a as, minute. Wait, 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 wait. Did you just say you, pre- you prefer 17 by winger over Tom yeah. Sawyer by rush? I would rather listen to oh. that. I would. What the fuck? You I know what? Rather maybe I will. Maybe I will retire from ARC after this. Dear God, I would rather listen to uh, uh, Heaven Tonight by Odyssey. I definitely rather listen to Finish What You Started. Okay, we're not ranking songs, we're ranking albums. I know, but that's the only way I can do it. I don't hate anything off this album. Like, I hate a bunch of shit off a winger. That's why I'm trying to figure out. And so mentally, I'm going, the best song, like, if I had this album, would I go to a song? No, not really. So... Does it have worse songs? Well, I bitched about Rush all this time that we picked it. I will say, I don't hate this album. Put it last. I want you to. Oh, it's going last. It's going last. I, 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 again, I would rather find songs off those other albums and listen to them. And there's nothing here I hate, but there's nothing here I really like. So I'm putting this last for me. And I'm glad I got a chance to listen to it instead of just... You know, vocalizing shit and saying, ah, I fucking hate rock. See, At least I the, tried it. Here's the funny thing about this episode is that I, I, I almost treat this as if it's my pick and it's not, it's Patreon because the beauty of this, that's bullshit too. The, the, be- the, be- the beauty of this is that I have the next pick and boy, am I punishing the two of you with it? Oh, you motherfuckers are paying for this. I can't see me hating something as much as he would hate it. Sonny and I have very different tastes. So if it's not anything that's like, I could see if you say I'm picking a grunge, so I'll know Sonny will hate it. But if you pick in the hair metal, why would I hate it? If you pick grunge, why would I hate it? We'll we'll find out soon enough. Oh, man. All right, fine. All right, guys. What we do next is this. So you make me rock hard. I'll go. I'll take this one first. Uh, I'm taking House of Dragons. Fucking love it. I think if I'm not mistaken, Tom, you never watched Game of Thrones. I have not. I don't know anything. Okay. About so I did the same thing. So when Game of Thrones, oh, Game of Thrones, uh, I'm like, fuck you. I'm not watching it. <laughs> as soon as the last season came out, I'm like, fuck it. I'll stop watching it. And then I understood why everybody fucking loved it. And okay. I'm not a Dungeons and Dragon guy. Okay. Now the last season, everyone bitches about it. I, I just, I don't understand people that get into TV series and then always, oh, the ended, they didn't land the ending. Like, well, you're not the writer of the show. So fuck off. Nice. Just enjoy what they do. This, I thought, 
I didn't have much high expectations for it because I'm like, oh, this is a cash grab. What are they doing? I find this almost as interesting, if not more. It's okay. more centered on one family. Uh, Game of Thrones is a bunch of kingdoms, a bunch of different families trying to vie for this. This is going back a hundred and something years. And it's about one family that ran the, uh, that had the throne. And it's almost like the HBO show succession. Who's going to take over? He never had, they never had a woman, and but she was his daughter. And then his wife, he has to remarry. He has other kids. Now he's got younger sons. But he's already said publicly his daughter is going to be his new uh, to take over after him. But half the people are like, we don't want a woman. And, hmm. the, and they show it over time and the kids are growing up and there's rivals and there's treachery and there's all sorts of shit. Uh, the final episode is coming up this weekend. Okay. Fucking awesome. Now, right. good to know. I don't think you need to watch Game of Thrones. It would be helpful if you did. Yeah, you should get into it and try it. Believe me, I, again, I'm not Dio Dungeons and Dragons shit. Yeah, but I liked it. I did. Okay, okay. so cool. give it a try. All right, all right. I'll go next. Um, so it's that time of year, October, spooky season. Try to find stuff that's kind of creepy. Uh, so there's a series of movies they started. Oh God, I don't know how long ago. Called VHS, and they were their found footage anthology series. Is that Weird Al? No, that's UHF. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, like, Beta is not Weird Al either. <laughs> I'm like, there's a series of them. Like, they made more than one. No, that's UHF. Very not very well done. So the VHS series, it's a the horror anthology, and it, like, there's usually like four or five segments, and each one is is recorded. You know, obviously found footage, but taken through the lens of like a like a VCR video camera, like an old kind of found footage type thing. The first one was excellent. Then they did VHS two, VHS viral. Uh, They did a VHS ninety four. Then yesterday on uh, Thursday, October twentieth, they released VHS ninety nine. I've seen all of these. Most are pretty good. There's a few that are pretty bad. I thought this one was a fucking blast. I think there's five five episodes. They're all about 25 minutes long. Um, you really have to be a horror fan to like them because some of them go off the rails and get extremely gruesome and gory. Some of them have a little bit of kind of like wink and a nod, a little bit of humor to them. They're very, very good. This one just dropped, so I think it might only be available on Shudder. If you're a horror fan, you probably already have Shudder. I've talked about it a million times. Um, but the VHS series are a ton of fun, and VHS 99 is definitely one of the better ones. So check them out. And if you're a horror fan, check out all the VHS series. I think they're all on like Hulu or Pride. They're out there somewhere, but the brand new one, I think, might only be on Shutter. So check them out and do not check out UHF. <laughs> so it's a TV show called VHS 1999. No, it's it, it's a it's a they're they're movies. They're they're films, but they're anthologies. They each have like four or five segments. So they're movies. Movie. It's not but, a TV series. Correct. Correct. Yep. 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 Uh, for my rock hard. So I absolutely love movies that are dramatized. I'm not too much into the whole documentary thing. I'll watch some, but that are dramatized about something I love that happened in my lifetime. And I love the NFL. I am a gambling addict. There's no doubt about it. Um, I watch games on 
Sunday, on Monday, on Thursday. Like I'm, I'm a nut and I'll be flipping through different games and it's, it's literally crazy. So when American underdog came out last year, we, Nicole and I both wanted to see it. And it's the movie about Kurt Warner's career. Oh yeah. I heard about that. I heard about that. I haven't seen it yet. Yeah. So dramatized, perfect date night movie. They do a good job of not making it too football. They do a good job of not spending too much time on Kurt's childhood. The meat part of the movie is really from his college career to his start in the NFL and Zachary. And I don't know if it's Levi or Levy, but goddamn, he is dead on Kurt Warner so much. So that a nut like me that watches as much football as I do, I can tell who a player is from the way their Jersey fits them. I don't need Mm. the name on the back. Yeah. And he looks exactly like the number 13. You would have seen Kurt Warner coming out. Like the, even they even got the Jersey and the uniform, right. With all the pads. So yeah, nice chance. Kelly does an amazing job as Mike Martz, because if you remember Trent green was supposed to be the starting quarterback and Mike Martz, that's right. Together this, this offensive playbook that Trent green was going to run. And Kurt Warner came in as like the stupid, well, stupid, like a hair metal fan. (laughs) He wasn't the rush guy. And Trent was the rush guy. And when Trent went down, Mike's like, well, we got to do something else. Like, this isn't going to work. So Mike's kind of against him the whole time. And Dennis Quaid plays a great dick for meal. So to me, the reason these movies are interesting, and that's why I like that whole winning Lakers dynasty thing. As you start hearing about, I'm thinking, well, they got to talk about Marshall, Marshall Falk at some point, right? And I'm like, babe, they're talking about Marshall Falk. And I'm like, oh, they got to talk about Trent Green at some point. They got to talk about Isaac Bruce at some point. Yep, they got to yep. show Tory Holt at some point, right? So it, it just kind of brings back the memories of my own lifetime. Yeah. Watching what I, and, you know, like watching I Am Third or, you know, Gail Sayers time. They're interesting, but yeah. I wasn't alive then. So I, I don't connect to it. Nice. Great think, movie. If you have Warner. Tom Kurt Warner Warner and to think he and to think he made it he's in the hall of fame and he just came off the bench because Trent Green got hurt fucking incredible story that's the one thing I I just it baffles me there's so many of these great classic wide receivers that aren't in the hall of fame that had incredible numbers for years wide receivers are so hard yeah quarterbacks get in like he should like I know he had the MVP he had a Super Bowl but how many other like great wide receivers had 15? How long did it take Art Monk to get in? Well, that's that's the yeah. wide receivers. Unless you're Randy Moss or Michael Irvin or Jerry Rice or whoever, it's very, very hard for a wide receiver to get into the Hall of Fame. Like, but Art Monk and guys like that were like one of the best wide receivers for like 10 years. Art Monk, Kurt, like cr- Art Monk crushed it during his career. Yeah. Yeah. And and Kurt Warner was maybe the best for three or four years. Well, Kurt Warner is a quarterback. Yeah, but yeah. but you get my point. Like, yeah, the level of greatness yeah. was only three to four years. It wasn't fucking. Well, it was longer than that. Don't forget, he took yeah. Arizona to the Super Bowl too. Yeah, it was oh, more yeah, like seven. Right. Yeah, but he was running the greatest show on turf, so they were making record on top the, of record. That's the they thing, the revolutionized thing, the, the game yeah. that is today. The thing is, he put up such absurd numbers in such a yeah. short amount of time that they couldn't deny him in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, you yeah. know they they couldn't. They couldn't, but you're right. It, it is amazing that you don't, when you think of him, you do think of it as a, you don't think of like Marino, Montana, Brady, Kurt yeah. Warner. You're like, oh, that guy was good for a while. That guy had a good run, but yeah. Fucking hall of fame. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The only thing I remember is remember 
uh, was it Billy Simmons or someone on ESPN said, remember that field goal that missed and they cut to Mike Martz and they're like, this is the most effeminate image of any player in football history. And it was him celebrating after that missed field goal. He went, I remember. I remember. Yeah. Yeah. Mike Martz. But like even the Troy Aikmans of the world. Like when he got in the hall of fame, I I'm a Cowboys fan. True and true. I watched all those games, but I remember thinking, okay, Aikman played well, but wasn't it handed to Emmett on this side? Troy Aikman handed made it into the, on he, this side. Dude, put it this way. <laughs> and, Troy, Troy and, Aikman, and a great defense. Right? He made it into that Super Bowl for the three rings. He never dominated. He yeah, never no, dominated. How many other quarterbacks could have won Super Bowls manning that Cowboys. Team. Oh yeah, of course. A lot yeah, of them. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, uh, he he's a great talent. He deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. But let's be serious. He's not Joe Montana. Yeah, he no, wasn't. No. But if Steve Young was managing those '90s, co- uh, Steve Cowboys, Young is better than Troy Aikman. Yeah. How many more would they have won? Yeah. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Well. Yep. There you go. Yep. Anyway, uh, Sonny, we always go to this next. Where can people find you? Um, I'm easy to find, uh, Twitter, um, growinguprock.com. Growing Up Rock's been around a while now. Podcast Rock City, we're live every, most Sundays at 7 p.m. Eastern. Um, so, yeah, I'm easy to find. Cool. Yeah, and we're Shout It Out Loudcast. If this is your first time hearing us, we are an all-kiss podcast that drop kiss-related episodes every Saturday. And then once a month, we do these album review crew episodes with Sonny. Uh, you can find us at our website at shoutoutloudcast.com. We have everything there. We also started another sidecast called Dorm Damage, where we talk about everything from TV shows to music to athletes to who knows, whatever. Maybe we'll get into a debate about Kurt Warner. I don't know. And, and his wife's spiked hairdo before she got it cut. <laughs> who knows? Maybe we'll talk about that. I think uh, the super 70s guy does something he with does, her, he doesn't he? Yeah. Where he goes, yeah. hold, on, I'm be- hold on, I'm being told that's not. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, and we're on all the social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. You can email us at shoutoutloudcast at gmail.com. So we're out there. Check us out. Let us know what you think of Rush and moving pictures. Yes. And before we move on, we always go to famous last words from this album. I'll go first. Mine is and I go and that's from YYZ. He's really doing lyrics from an instrumental. I love it. Nice. Go go ahead, Sonny. They say there are strangers who threaten us in our immigrants and infidels. They say there is strangeness too dangerous in our theaters and bookstore shelves. Ooh, deep. Dude, is that like an AOC rally? Like, Think about those lyrics. (laughs) Wow. All right. Suddenly ahead of me, across the mountainside, a gleaming alloy air car shoots towards me two lanes wide. I spin around with shrieking tires to run the deadly race, go screaming through the valley as another joins the chase. That's similar to pull the trigger on my love gun. It's kind of the same thing. (laughs) The same thing as she's only 17, Tom. Yeah, exactly. Oh, how dare you? <laughs> she's only 17. Oh. 17. Oh. See? You remember that song, <laughs> don't you? <laughs> Quick, tell me, how does Vital Signs go? <laughs> 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 
<laughs> See, we were going pretty good. I, I, I will tell you. I will tell you. There'll probably be a point in time in our history that I'll be like, I cannot believe I put this fucking album last. I'll listen to it because I always put shit on shuffle. Yeah. I'll listen to it again, and I've changed my mind on lots of things. But and we can do a fucking whole episode on that fucking mistakes that we've made. Oh, I talk about that all the time. The rankings. If you could have like a gimme, like a like a like a mulligan. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, Sonny, Tom, Loudcasters, Kiss Army. What are Rush fans called besides nerds? That's about it. <laughs> nerds. Thank you. Always a good time. I uh, always enjoy this. I don't always enjoy the music I have to listen to. But uh, yeah, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> nice, Sonny. Great time, guys. Love it. Always having a great time with you guys talking music. And uh, this one was especially fun. Pleasantly surprised, even though you guys had it ranked low. But I think it was a fun episode. And, uh, glad we got to do Rush. So thank you, guys. Peace out, Girl Scout. You keep slapping that bass. Maryland sports fans, there's only one sports book in the great state of Maryland with over 50 years' experience booking bets and supporting customers. Betfred Sportsbook at Long Shots is now open and is the only sports book in Frederick offering cash betting on football, basketball, world soccer, and more. Visit the Betfred Sportsbook at I 270 and MD 85 in Frederick, right next to Long Shots Off Track Betting. Go to BetfredSports.com for more information and your chance to win exclusive merchandise. Must be 21 or older. Play responsibly. For help, call 1 800 Gambler. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.